Hello, everybody. This episode of the podcast is brought to you all, brought to you by all the kind folks who donate through our Patreon page. Those people are Jesse Tarditi, Barbara Emerson, Tori Smith, Quinn Rupert, and that's it. Yeah, it's only the four people. But I thank those people from the bottom of my heart. And if I did forget somebody, I'm super sorry, but I think that's it. Anyways, if you would like to be one of those people, uh, visit our Patreon page, www.patreon.com slash froggy style. That's frog, the letter E underscore style. Uh, if you donate, as you can donate as little as $1 a month. That's like 12 bucks a year. It's only a few coffees out of your out of your year to help support the podcast. Um, and if you do donate the $1 per month, you gain access to all bonus content that will, re- will be released soon here. Uh, and obviously, the more you donate, the more cool rewards you do get. If you are fans of the show, I highly recommend that you sign up for our monthly newsletter. Uh, you can do that uh, if you visit fsproductions.ca. It'll be like the first thing you see when you type in that website. Um, just sign up with your email and yeah, then you'll be signed up for the monthly newsletter. It comes on the last day of every month. It includes things like what's coming up in the next month as far as podcasts go, uh, download links to find music from previous month's guests, and it, you will be entered into a monthly draw uh, for a neat prize pack that includes CDs and merch and stuff like that. So sign up with your email at fsproductions.ca. Also, while you're there, I highly recommend that you just kind of browse around the website a bit. I've added some new things. Um, there's a creative writing section now that I'm really stoked about. And I hope to update that weekly. So, yeah, visit fsproductions.ca. On this episode of Groove Talk, I talk with Tanner and Callie. And it was an absolute delight talking with these two. This was a great, great fucking podcast. Um, I think you can tell kind of when, I guess, podcasters get into a room and start having a conversation. The conversation just flowed so much so much easier than some previous ones. But yeah, um, uh, check out their podcast, The Genesis Thought Lab. I'll have all the all the ways in which you can find Callie and Tanner in the episode notes. They are um, very involved in the local music scene here and actually just kind of in Western Canada's music scene in general. Um, They play shows, they do podcasts, they go to festivals, they used to put on shows, um, and they may still in the future. Um, But yeah, it was just like, Lots and lots of fun talking with these two, and I really hope you enjoy the episode. We get into a lot of really neat conversation topics, including flow state and festival culture and a lot of other things. So, yeah, I hope you enjoy this episode, and uh, yeah, have a great day. This is Groove Talk with Froggy Style.
listen to Harmontown? You have yeah. to subscribe yeah. to it. Yeah. Or, yeah, you have to, not that I would be opposed to it. I'd listen to it so fucking goddamn much. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. like the, the documentary as well that they have. It's called Harmontown as well, I no believe. Way. Yeah, there's a documentary about that entire thing. Really? Yeah. I'd watch that. <laughs> oh, God, I don't watch when we go home. Yeah. <laughs> I was listening to it at work today because uh, the... Like, my chefs that I work under, like, I was the one in charge because the three people above me were not there today. So I had, like, my choice of listening stuff, and it was Dan Harmon going on about how he has this, like, fetish with pantyhose and just, like, the most inappropriate <laughs> shit. And, like, the guy's coming off lines, man, what the fuck are you listening to? <laughs> so, Don't worry, it's yeah. funny. It's Rick and Morty, Rick and Morty. It's like Rick and Morty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, if some, like, I listen to podcasts all day in my headphones, but if some people could, like, hear what I was listening oh, to, it's just, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was listening to Duncan Trussell today, yeah. and the last, like, half hour of the podcast was, like, him and this guy going off about how they used to be, like, cum farmers or something <laughs> like that. Oh, yeah, like, when he, when he gets into his little, like, theatrical rants with his synthesizer. Yeah, like, fucking, yeah. Oh. It's such a weird podcast, but, yeah. like, so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that was one of the first ones that really drew me in I was like this is amazing yeah. I, I'm actually really surprised at how like sometimes he do, it's like he doesn't edit it's like he doesn't proofread or go at over all. his product yeah. there's sometimes where he's got like multiple layers of audio happening and then like there's just like a big 10 minute gap and then like the podcast <laughs> yeah. starts and, and then the podcast will stop or like the, it'll finish and then I'll be sitting there being like is it done? What's going yeah, on? And there's 29 it? minutes of dead space. Yeah. At the end. <laughs> like, or half the time, like his microphone is at half the volume, or, or yeah. like his microphone isn't even on. You're just hearing it reverberate from around the room. And... Yeah. I'm surprised he doesn't just like hire a producer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, like I've like I've I've made those mistakes too and yeah. stuff, but it like yeah. definitely makes me feel less bad about making those mistakes, yeah. knowing that like he's a world-renowned yeah. podcaster that's just like he's yeah, still funny. making those mistakes. Yeah. So, like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Oh, fuck yeah. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Yes. Thank you very much for going over, guys. Yeah. Anytime, man. Yeah. Fucking Calgary Podcast World is oh, actually is awful. I'm so sorry. It's fine. Oh, it's, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm used to co-op gold, believe me. <laughs> mm. He's good. Mm-hmm. Have you ever listened to Grimerica? No. They're another Calgary podcast, and they're yeah. actually, like, one of my favorite now. Because they do, they do paranormal, UFO, biohacking, spirituality, mm-hmm. all that Sweet. kind of stuff. But the two of them are like, you know who Bob and Doug McKenzie are? Yeah. Yeah, they'll have like the Bob and Doug McKenzie vibe, <laughs> and they rip on each other constantly, and they just like, the dynamic that those two have together is fucking golden, <laughs> and they actually have some pretty epic guests on there. They've had Randall Carlson and like John Anthony West, and oh, wow. um, they've had Duncan Trussell a couple times. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, they've... And it's out of Calgary? It's actually just out of... Um, Chestermere. Chestermere. Oh, okay. Yeah, but... Cool. Well, Graham lives in Calgary, and... Uh, and Darren lives in Chestermere, and that's where they have their studio. And it's cool because it's like they call it the a nine a nine by nine by nine metal box with soundproof panels all around it, and it's just like sitting in their garage. So there's just like this little pod in the garage that's there. They, yeah, they call it the igloo. And fuck, they're hilarious. They're so Canadian. <laughs> so Canadian. That's awesome. <laughs> I'd recommend it though. Yeah. It's, it's called uh, what? Grind. Grind America. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. It's, like, always, always good. Because the one thing that they do that not a lot of people do, I guess, like, Ari Shafir does it, too, is just, like, the long-style, like, 40-minute rant before the guest. Yeah. Just, like, go on, talk some shit, do whatever, and then, like, okay, fine, we'll get to the guest. (laughs) Yeah. It's great. (laughs) Yeah, I've been trying to, like, kind of do that more as well, just because people said I should to, like 
pre I was just like doing like music and then right into it and people yeah. are like you should do a little thing yeah. <laughs> we even want to like improve on our little blurbs too because like we'll sit there and like try and plan out everything that we're gonna say and it lasts you know like maybe five or so minutes and yeah. we could just have like segments or sections or something but it'll yeah. take like a couple times of us re hitting record and then tripping over your words and you're like oh fuck okay, yeah. start over again <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah 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 how are you with like the nervousness element of it is it uh it's gone away yeah. a lot more like i used to be really nervous yeah. before like i'm like more of an introverted person as well so like yeah. even just like having conversations with people but uh it's gone away quite a bit and i'm a lot better with it now as yeah. well i used to have to like write everything out that i was going to say in like yeah, an intro yeah. yeah and now i've just kind of i'm able to kind of just like yeah. go with it it's so much more fluid and genuine and like, yeah yeah yeah. If I do stumble, I'll like just say that sentence over again and just cut that little bit out. Yeah, yeah. That's smart. Yeah. We can't exactly do that with video, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess you have to like get yeah, a like good an the obvious first time. blip. Not yeah. that we haven't. Not that we haven't. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, did you guys want to introduce yourselves? I mean, I've, okay. I've just been recording. I hope that's oh, fine, cool. But... Oh, there you go. <laughs> Sweet. I love that trick. Yeah. <laughs> My name is Tanner Cherry. I am Kali Yuga. Cool. And we are, I guess, we are the Genesis Project. Yes. Um, we do things. We recently <laughs> done a podcast, which has been like, I guess, a year and a half now. A year and a half. Ago Holy crap! Has it really? Now. Yeah. And uh, we do event promotion. And we did event promotion. We did. <laughs> we're kind of we're we're taking a well-deserved break from event promotion for sure. Yeah. The last. Well, I mean, like the Astro Harvest pre-party that we did recently was wonderful, although it was stressful leading up to it. But what really was digging in and like mentally degrading me was planning for this Shambhala pre-party because it was just, I think it was a dumb move hosting a big event in June because like festival season around here gets started pretty quick now. Yeah, like, yeah. I feel like the, the start and the tail end of festival season is like fattening and there's so many festivals and I think we decided to throw a, a party that like tickets were 35 bucks for in like in June when we had already been to one festival and some people had been to two. So I think it was a bad call. We didn't didn't sell enough tickets. And honestly, just like knowing that it was going to financially kind of cripple us right before a big summer was really having it like taking a toll on me. So it was weeks before the event that I was just like, man, we got to we got to shut this down because like as fun as it is and as much as when it materializes and becomes what it is and it's just like bliss and it's so beautiful. And but it was really starting to mess with me like and and you know one thing is to mess with me mentally but then to like leave us financially crippled a little bit was yeah. just like dude let's take a good long while off of this and subsequently focus our energy back on the podcast because we just it's not that we were so busy that we did not have time to do it it's just that sometimes you want to have time to yourself and like if my life is too full of this that or the other thing i start to you know it's like you're in a padded room just being like, ah, yeah. like, okay. I definitely need that like, time. Yeah. That's yeah. the kind of thing too, where we'd be falling asleep, laying beside each other at night. But the last thing that you always think about is, did I email this agent back? Like, what are we going to do for the stage? How's this going to fit together? Like, there's no actual connecting, falling asleep time yeah. for us where it's just like, let's just lay down and cuddle. This will be great. Like, there's always something nagging you at the back of your head. And that, that was four years of our lives. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was four. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, the first event that we threw was our engagement party and we just did like a we're getting married and it was like a pirate theme party and like my parents showed up and they were all dressed as pirates and like it was, <laughs> it was super fun we just did like a DJ party 
and um, it was infectious. It was like intoxicating how good it went off. So we were inspired to do more. And then I, I think we kind of followed mainly in the footsteps of like the Zodiac series in Edmonton and um, Space Invaders here, and definitely inspired by like the big the base pace, base face stuff like Distillery and. Like Calgary is fruitful yeah, with event promotion and, and music. We get spoiled out here, especially when you, you know, you bring someone from another city or another country to play here, and they're just like, "Dude, I wish we had this back home." Like this is nuts. Calgary is so thriving and and bountiful in this music scene. Yeah. It's crazy, and it's like every music scene too. Yeah. Because like I've kind of I interview people just throughout the Calgary music scene, so like yeah. in the punk scene and the hip hop scene, and just like everywhere is just doing good, and everybody's yeah. like, "I've never seen it this good before." Yeah. Right? Except for just recently, I would say that like what we've experienced is a little bit of a drawback. Like it's, it was harder to sell tickets. Um, I think it's mainly it was one hundred percent. The economy has a huge effect on how much disposable income people have, especially to go out and, and party. Yeah. And even festivals that would normally have sold out by now, like Freezer Burn, last two years sold out pretty much instantly. Freezer Burn is still selling tickets, and that's coming yeah, up this, this weekend. weekend. Yeah. And Shala still has oh, wow. tickets. Shambhala sold out, but Shambhala is Shambhala. Yeah, that's different. Yeah, crazy year too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Shambhala's always. Yeah, and I, I wonder how Shambhala's sales would have been if it weren't for like the twentieth anniversary and rebuilding of stages and like all this other shit. Because there was obviously still people bitching about, you know, why isn't this person playing in the lineup and like the usual chatter that happens yeah, when that they when happens. they drop the lineup, but. You know, people need to realize that our dollar sucks. Our economy is shit. The exchange rate, which is something that we definitely learned the, the lesson the hard way with the M machine. Like, if you're paying X amount of dollars Canadian, you're paying substantially yeah. a lot more. And then you pay your deposit, your 50% deposit. And then when you pay the remainder, and then the price went up a good chunk. And you're like, oh, that's... Like, just the exchange rate changing cost us another 400 or $300. Oh, shit. Like, Ooh. they were the most expensive artist we booked. And I, I'd like... You know, them as artists, I know they wouldn't charge that much to play, but it's just because they recently became involved with, like, a huge agency, like the same agency that books Tiesto and stuff. And They were like, actually telling me that their agency <coughs> was born around them. No, that was Slush Management. Oh, right, yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. It was, like, I think they were with AM only, and it's mm. just, it's a really, really big roster, and I've heard that AM only take, like, normally agents would take X percent, but I think AM only is like a massive amount more than that. But they just skyrocket your 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 uh, your platform, mm-hmm. and I'm sure it has. Like the M machines all over the place now, and yeah. they were like they were really close to our heart. They were one of the first groups that we really connected with in the electronic world. And that was back when they were playing like the side stages in Edmonton Raves. And- yeah, <laughs> they were the first. Like truly, they were the first big name that we ever tried to book in our first year of throwing shows and. Didn't even get an email back, you know, like not even worth worth their time, well, or worth their agency's time or whatever. And yeah, yeah. It's such a game. Four years later, we made it go, and it's like, all right, we did the thing. This is what we set out to do. <laughs> four years later, we're done. <laughs> and on a high note, like, yeah. it was. I mean, like it felt like, especially while we were there, there was definitely some tears shed because it was like such a beautiful way to just shut her down for a bit. We built the coolest stage that we've ever done. We rebuilt like the replica pagoda inside the Royal Canadian Legion. It was like 13 feet tall and video mapped by the people who do the visuals at Shambhala. That's sweet. And it, it turned out easily twice as good as I thought it was going to. And and the music was just bliss and everything was so good. And I'm so happy to be on the other side of it. <laughs> <laughs> and of course now we have like, we had like two weeks and boom, right back out to festivals, which 
Actually, this weekend is interesting because I'm going to Freezer Burn, which is the Alberta Regional Burning Man event, and Callie got booked at Inshallah, so we have to, we're going to be splitting paths. We usually play as a duo, sometimes play separate, um, but this time we're going to be playing separate festivals at the same time, so we had to like double our gear and copy it. Like I'm currently, Fi's, uh, I bought a 13-inch MacBook off my boss. He gave me yeah. like a, a nice one just so we could clone our system yeah. and have like the whole grab bag of music and all that just at hand because I have to play three sets at Freezer Burn. And, I and, can't believe you agreed to do three sets. That's ridiculous. And it's funny because uh, even Kelly, he was just like, what do you mean? Like, isn't, Don't you just press play? <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah, essentially, but it's uh, it's tough to be able to stay fresh. Three times in the same weekend. Three and a half plus hours in one weekend to the same crowd. Yeah. So... Like, I mean, even a couple, like, a couple months in between when I play and stuff, it's like, I still find myself falling back on those, you know, good old transitions that I yep. know. It's like, especially if you're, I don't know, it just gets you in the mood as well. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, and, you know, I but, was, yeah. was kind of self-conscious of that at first. I really was. But there's sometimes, especially, I can recall when we saw the M Machine at Shambhala, I think it was 2014. They played they the played last Pagoda. five tracks of... Yeah, one of their old mixes. Near the end of their set, they just went into a very familiar progression from one of our favorite mixes that they did. And it was, like, everything I wanted in that moment. I was just like, <laughs> yes, like, oh, this is that, like, one of my favorite pieces of music they've ever done. And they just, like, playing it live in front of you. And you could tell it, you know, it wasn't wasn't them just, like, playing a chunk of a progression. Mm. They were actually doing it, like, a slightly differently. And it just it felt so good to hear something recognizable in that moment. Well, you have to understand, too, that like when a group goes on tour, whether it's a punk band or a metal band or even a DJ, like if you're playing city to city to city, you can recycle that same set, that same set list, yeah. over and over and over again, because even if there are people who follow you, say you play like Calgary and Edmonton or something, if there's people that follow you, they don't care what you play, they just want to see you. Obviously, yeah. they're hardcore enough, yeah. so the it doesn't yeah. matter what you play. But, like, yeah, you can play the same set for 12 different shows and nobody's going to be the wiser. And uh, our buddy Long Walk Short Doc call us out because we saw him something ridiculous like seven the times. Week. No, it was three times in a week. Three times in a week, like seven times in the same year. And he shoots us a message just being like, why are you guys following me around? Like, I have to purposefully keep my shit fresh because you assholes are following us around. They're following you around. Which is jokes. I mean, like, well, yeah. he's a friend. But... Yeah, it's. It, I guess it does have pressure because I, that's the exact same pressure that I'm experiencing right now, thinking yeah. about this upcoming weekend. Like, yeah, I, I'm gonna probably revert to some progressions from the Astro Harvest show that we played, and like, you know, some little pieces here and there. But like, for, for, if somebody's actually playing eight festivals and putting together eight unique hours of music, like that's that's dedication. Yeah, definitely. And you've got a lot of time to work on your craft. That is what we did last year, though. Because, yeah. like, okay, like, our progression last year we did uh, Inshallah, Freezer Burn, Astral, Mono. We played the... Pirate when, Party. Pi- well, we Wednesday didn't play Pirate Party. Um, we did the Wednesday night uh, Pagoda backstage party, so it was just a party for all the crew, and we got to open up for Space Jesus for that. Yeah. And in those, in-, in those instances, the Western Canadian music festival scene, these are pretty much all the same people. So as a, a localized, like Western Canadian localized DJ, you do have to come up with different shit every single weekend that yeah. you play. Yeah. You don't have the luxury of touring the world and not having anybody <laughs> be familiar. <laughs> it's harder. It is. So do you guys like pre-plan it out or? Mostly. Yeah. Mostly, it's, yeah. it's not often that we improv, but like we usually end up at a, we, we like to leave like a section sometimes at the end where we just like, 
improv and, and feel it out and see where it goes yeah. because it I feel like the the way that you end a set is really you know it means a lot to me especially like it's the start and the end really have a lot of impact and every so often like I don't mind saving five or six or ten minutes at the end of a set to just wind it out and say thank you and then just like think about like all right we could play like something obscure or something like funny like you know sometimes it's just like all right i'm hitting ace of base let's go and then like other times it's just some balls to the walls tipper or something right and just i like to leave that little buffer at the end to personalize the the closing generally we're respectful enough of like like our uh, our time slot so if we're playing like 6 p.m. to 7:30, that's not exactly the time to play the most raging trap that you have yeah. in your library. Yeah. So it's like it doesn't clear dance floors by any means. That's why we got a <laughs> repertoire of Aqua. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess you do have to kind of like think about that and stuff. And how do you kind of select tracks? Do you think about like? Uh, who's playing after you and before yeah. you and stuff yeah. as well. Yeah, we've, we've become pretty lucky in in our kind of like quote-unquote career thus far that the things that we're getting booked for now, we have a following of people who have come to know and respect our own style. So we don't so much have to worry about like what we're going to play and how. It's more that we know that we're getting booked specifically for a lot of the things that we are. Yeah. But, um, but the like difference being like inshallah that i'm playing this weekend again like i think i'm playing like 5 30 to 6 15 p.m and uh i think the person who's playing before me is kind of a little bit more like down tempo ambient and uh a friend of ours who's playing after is kind of more like hippie side dubby so, yeah. sort of vibes and that's like I, I i played a lot of that when i first started out and i've kind of shied away from that so recognizing that situation i do have to kind of conform my sound so that i'm not just coming out you know, and like throwing in this crazy energetic speed bump. Yeah. Or I guess, what's the opposite of a speed bump? Speed bump uh, would be like a roller coaster. Or yeah, roller sure. <laughs> speed bump slows you down. What speeds you up? Meth. Oh, action. <laughs> no, I was going to say Mario Kart. They've got those little arrows. They're, they're those, the ones. Yeah. those ones. Those ones. them, they make you go faster. Don't do meth, kids. <laughs> do you kind of find yourselves. Uh, when you are at shows that you haven't put on, do you kind of find yourselves like looking at shows differently now? Now that you oh, have, yeah. oh, on? so jaded. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I'm not. Even, I'm not even ashamed to admit it. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's that's more so you than me. I I do find myself sometimes just like sitting back and and being like really appreciative of certain elements and like inspired and especially I mean, um, Cirque de la Nuit. Like, I don't have you ever been to one of their events? No, I haven't. Oh God, they're just like. The general aesthetic of their shows is so beautiful and like just the circus element and the stage design and, and oh, it's it's really next level and I'm so happy that we have them in, in town and I wonder when they're going to do another show. I thought, yeah. like, I bet you they're having the same thing as yeah. we are right now, just like, man, we need to cool it and calm down for a bit. Because, <laughs> well, well the, like, last show was closed, too, yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Another show. <laughs> let me, oh let me, let me rephrase my jadedness. It's not, it's not jaded about... Um, like going to other people's shows and judging them based on ours or anything like that. I think the jaded more comes from like being into music and being a DJ and getting into producing and all this stuff. So that when you're at a music festival and you're listening to a world-class act and you hear like the slightest little hiccup, 
because you have that previous knowledge, you're like, yeah. I heard that. Meanwhile, everybody else is just blissing yeah. out, eyes rolling <laughs> the back of their head. Like, did you hear that? No, man, everything's cool. Yeah. <laughs> or like when a sweet part comes on, you're like, this song. And like you stop, and you're like, guys, this song. And everybody's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely find that. Because, yeah, I DJ as well. So, yeah. like, when, once I started doing that, you definitely do pick out the things. And you're much more appreciative as well. Because you're like, wow, you just killed it with that. Yeah, like, I don't yeah. even know what you were doing there. And, yeah. yeah. Or even when, even when somebody that you're observing does fuck up, it, 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 it makes them human. Yeah. You know, they're not just a robot up there doing everything perfectly or even potentially playing a pre-recorded set or something. You know, like, yeah, it, no, it humanizes it's, them. It's, yeah. also, it's respectable. Take some risks, man. Try something out of yeah. your bubble and don't just sit in your comfort zone because you can kind of tell when people are just really comfortable with what they're doing and not yeah. pushing themselves. And, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think humanizing is a really important factor because we, we as, as these super complex creatures that we are as humans, when we hold people up on a pedestal and when we idolize somebody, like this is one thing that Throwing Shows has done so positively for me is bring down these people who you have so much respect for and you worship the ground they walk on and stuff and when you're picking them up from the airport and you sit down in the car with them and you have a conversation with them you realize they're just as human as you are yeah you're no different yeah exactly (laughs) they just do some more things yeah it's the same thing with this podcast for me it's like i have these people over i'm like man these people are gonna be like way cooler than me they play in a band (laughs) or something it's like i'm just this guy who does a podcast and i'm like oh yeah you're just a person like (laughs) many people knew like the turmoil and like the insecurity and all of the stuff that goes on behind what like when it comes to a stage performance especially like a metal band i mean like alex when i met alex back when he worked at axe music ages ago and like he's like yeah come to my show and i was like sweet let's do it and it was at the underground it was the basement of the warehouse at the time and like um i walked in there and there he is like the front man just like playing children of bodom and like every lick perfectly and he's doing the vocals and everything and then he just like whips his guitar on the back of his head and starts like shredding his solo <laughs> on the back of his neck and I was just like what the hell like and and then me, you know getting to know him more and realizing that like he's just as strange and awkward as everyone else yeah shy reserved kind of introverted yeah man I miss those days <laughs> he used to play in a band or he is the band Celestis and like it's been disbanded for a while because it's just you it's just too hard to keep a group together and maintain a, a focus and a vision. So he just kind of makes the music as a hobby for himself. And he just writes and records all of the layers himself and just makes the music. And it's pretty impressive stuff. Um, but yeah, I really wish we could get him back on stage as the front man of Celestis. Well, he's Aliag now. He did a really wonderful metal cover of Hit Me Baby One More Time. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> That's pretty great. That's yeah, great. Yeah. It was solid. <laughs> So do you guys, like, maybe before electronic music, did you come from more of, like, a metal background? He or, did. Yeah, I didn't. Did. No? Oh, hell yeah. I came, from, I came from, like, blues and classic rock, I guess, growing up. Okay. And then got into electronic music. She was I, an early raver. Yeah, my first exposure to electronic music, I think I was in the eighth grade, and it was, like, Benny Benassi and Anger Fist. <laughs> so, like, really hardcore, like, speedcore gabber shit. Yeah, oh my god, we went to an Anger Fist show. We at, did. At 10 Nightclub, and every, like you and Cal and Fran, and everybody was like, this is what we used to listen to when we were 15. And I went there, and it was like, holy shit, this is aggressive. <laughs> this is really, really heavy. 
Hey, man, you're 15 year old, years old, you're angsty and yeah. rebellious, and anything yeah. that sounds the most opposite of what you think people want to hear is your yeah. jam. Yeah. That's why I listen to metal. There you go. <laughs> exactly. That's, yeah. And like most people, man, like I got hit with that bug from like Excision and Skrillex, and yeah. that, that it was very, very infectious at the time. And it's funny because when I go back and listen to those songs now, I'm just like, yeah. I don't know if I like this much right nah. now. Like, it's very pinchy and squealy and like the in your face. And- yeah. I remember Same. like riding the bus listening to Scary Monsters and Nice Sprites yeah. by Skrillex and like getting those goosebumps and just feeling like, oh, this is the best thing ever. And now it's like, kind of makes me want to <laughs> drive out my eyeballs with a spoon. So weird. Music tastes change though, man. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't like it when people give you flack over that. Like if you're going to just let yourself evolve, like just be true to yourself and actually allow yourself to absorb and, and fall in love with something if it's speaking to your soul right like if if you feel it just let yourself feel it don't worry about what kind of preconceived notion your friends are trying to hold on you or like you know oh, people suck it's like little kids that bully each other in, in like kindergarten yeah. people can be so mean to each other it's so stupid just like let somebody love country music if well, they want to love just the music. worst though I, kids are yeah. like a thousand times worse than adults are yeah <laughs> little demon seeds yeah. <laughs> like I, I even just remember what i was like as a kid and it's just like oh man yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep Makes sense, though. You see, like, even just at 20, like, yeah, anyway, sorry. You see the world, you grow up. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) exactly. I I am, like, grateful to that dubstep, though, because it was, like, that that heaviness of it that really spoke to me coming from, like, that metal background. It, like, got me, you know, into this whole thing. Yeah, I've said this before. I was always so surprised, like, when dubstep first started, like, really becoming a thing, and then it got, like, like, it started with, like, the deep dub, and then it got raunchier and raunchier and squealier and squealier. And I would see all of like my 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 like metalhead and like punk friends coming from that into dubstep instead of drum and bass. I always kind of figured that like drum and bass, it's faster. It's you know like yeah. it, it it seems so foreign to me. I, like again, I didn't come from a metal background, so I didn't understand the heavy factor of it that I think people really appreciated of it. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, because my favorite part of the metal music was it wasn't like the fast guitar playing. It was like the like the chugs and like the breakdowns you know <laughs> so that's like what attracted me and honestly i'm not a huge fan of drum and bass like yeah i don't know yeah I, we, yeah we like i i enjoy it yeah i really do enjoy it but it's i rarely find that we play it out like i like to dip into it for a little bit yeah and, but i mean i know most people in calgary agree because we're so overly saturated in drum and bass it's a, a little tough drums. to have a whole night of drum and bass that's my main issue with it. It's yeah, like when yeah. you do get like a drum and bass DJ, they're playing drum and bass, and it's yeah. not a lot of deviation. Like, don't say that to anybody who loves drum and bass. Though. <laughs> yeah. You'll get your head cut off. <laughs> <laughs> they are savage. <laughs> yeah. That's like I, I can totally appreciate the sets where people like I. If you throw drum and bass into a set that isn't all drum and bass, I totally get it, and like I'll yeah. be right there, you know, yeah. going along with it, and. But also every now and again, like it is fun to just go out for oh, yeah. a totally like a total drum and bass night. Yeah, but, I don't know. I I can't. I props to those who thrive on that kind of thing. You do yeah. you, but I just I can't. I no, can't just, all I'm, all day, all night, all the time. Like yeah, no, I'm I'm multi-genre by nature, so I feel like when I go like the best nights I've ever had are those shows that are that are very multi-genre and, and everybody kind of mm-hmm. has their own flavor. And I think yeah. that's what originally drew me to like glitch hop and mid tempo and quote yeah. unquote bass music is that it's when I first. Like when Tanner and I first moved in together, like we got our first place together, 
I remember trying to Google quote unquote glitch hop torrents, and there was only two artists that came up. It was Haywire and Ilisha. It was before it was kind of. Well, Ill Gates, too, I think was. No, Ill Gates didn't no. even come up. Hmm. Okay, uh, yeah, I can't remember, but um, it was like this all encompassing term for a sound that didn't have a name yet. Yeah. And it's still like. It's like you categorize something as glitch hop or bass music when it doesn't really fit into anywhere else because it's just it's so versatile and it doesn't really have this one sound. Yeah. Well, glitch hop maybe not so much anymore. Now people are making what they think is it's when you start making music that you think this is what this genre is supposed to sound like, that's yeah. when issues arise. Yeah. I find I care so much less about what genre it's tagged as. Yeah. So yeah, you start to get it's, away from. It is hard though when you are like specifically searching for things like you want to find new music, and you're yeah, like, yeah. okay, well, I like things that I think sound like glitch hop, so you search yeah. glitch hop, and then mm -hmm. it's like, well, that's not what I thought that was. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? What revolutionized it for us was instead of looking for genres or types of music, you search for record labels that host a certain sound, right? Yeah. Like if you start exploring all of the different releases and artists and albums and tracks that a record label has released. And like labels focus on a certain sound, and I mean like Gravitas Recordings has always been one that we've been close to. Adapted Records was a, uh, one that we very early fell in love with, but I hear lately they don't pay their artists. <laughs> yeah, some people are kind of trying to boycott them right now because they just haven't paid them in years. Um, and I'd like to give a shout out to Upscale Recordings uh, Frequent. Yeah. He just recently started. Well, I guess not recently. They started that up. Evoke and him started it up a couple years ago, but they've just only now started to put some momentum into it and. The music that they release on that label is experimental and it is awkward and it is weird, but it is like it's groundbreaking at the and, same yeah, time. It's like this earth shattering strange. And yeah, it's if you like I would recommend just going and hitting up like their band camp or like, you know, a label that you like. If you find out that a, a track has been released, like a track that you like has been released through a certain outlet, go explore the outlet. And Bandcamp is great for that because you can just hit like view all releases and it shows you all the album covers. Yeah. And, like, yeah. and then that kind of separates you from the whole genre ideal. You're not looking for a genre now. You're just looking for like-minded individuals making the same kind of music. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's all about right. collectives. Find where the watering hole is. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> go take a sip. Yeah. <laughs> And also, like, I mean, festivals are great places yeah. for new music, too. Like, you go to yeah. play, like, go see people you wouldn't necessarily see, and you're like, oh, i got to write that yeah. down. <laughs> Not a lot of people do, though. And, again, going back to, like, people bitching about the Shambhala lineup this year, like, I'm going to go, I'm going to say 75% of the artists that I'm most stoked to see are in the smaller print from these labels that I've been following for a while yeah. that nobody else really knows yet. Like, I really want to, like, put together a list and just like post it on the Shambhala page and just be like, you guys want to find yeah. some new music of some groundbreaking artists that have really amazing sound, follow follow these steps. Yeah, like, <laughs> shout out to the Amphitheater for having a lot of those names on the list this yeah. year. Like, friggin' like Killsmith yeah. and Shield and like like Pagoda's got a Illenium, I guess. Illenium's getting pretty big, but like... And you know what? Lots of the music that I've looked at from Illenium I didn't like, but there's a few that are just mm. beautiful, just amazing... And I like, yeah, if you don't like the lineup of a festival, you probably just haven't explored it because the people exactly. curating those parties, the people like putting their heart and soul into making sure that the lineup is, is next level. Yeah. Sometimes that means picking artists that you don't know about yet. And like, you should trust them, yeah, especially when you have like, you know, the Shambhala stages are, are famous for being those curators that you should trust because they're, they're on the cutting edge 
of who is like crafting that future sound right now. Each stage is like its own record label, really. Uh, if you're like you're yeah, talking about kinda. going on band camps and stuff, the amphitheater has a certain vibe, Pagoda has a certain vibe, Village has a certain vibe, like Damn just, straight. If you're not going for the music, at least go for the experience. That's one thing that Burning Man taught us is that yeah. Burning Man is not a music festival. Yeah. You're not going specifically for these musical acts or anything. You're going for the experience and the art and the connection and the community and Yeah, definitely. The food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely started treating music festivals more like that. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm just going because I like going to music festivals. I like yeah. the environment and it's the bonus is that there's music there as well, <laughs> you know. <laughs> definitely. What are, what are some of your favorites? Um uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing Calia Scintilla mm. at Motion Notion this year. Yeah. Um, Birds of Paradise yep. as well. I love Opio, but I don't. Who doesn't love Opio? Yeah, <laughs> Opio was like a niche sound that spawned so many other amazing artists that have that sound. Like one uh, Chamberlain. Have you heard Chamberlain? He's from Australia as well. Okay, and he has a very similar sound to Opio, but it's a little bit more. Um, kind of Calia Scintilla-esque, a little yeah, bit more like really gypsy. Like Indian vocals, like gypsy okay. kind of element to it, and he also has a lot of like slap bass in it. Um, he did a, a remix of one of Closey's tracks recently, and uh, he just had a release on Gravitas. Like he's one of my favorite right now, and I'm, I'm ex we're going to that Global Eclipse gathering in, in Oregon. Oh, sweet! And I think that's the only lineup that we're seeing him on. But yeah, if, if we do end up going, I don't know, we, we might end up having to just like reevaluate our budget this summer and yeah. that would be the one that we'd have to cut because it's a week long. The tickets were pretty expensive because again, the exchange rate. So like two tickets and a parking pass ended up being like 1200 bucks Canadian. And I mean, it's going to be an amazing experience. There's like six festivals that have gotten together to, to do one festival. Yeah in the heart of the center of the shadow of the eclipse. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. There's like six or six or seven different stages. Six stages yeah. and each one of them is like an entire festival. Yeah, each one I've, I've seen the lineup and each yeah. one is oh, just it's like nuts. What? Like yeah. all the best people. Yeah, <laughs> There's yeah. like not one bad name on here. If you like psychedelic like Psytrance, they like the what is it the sun stage or whatever? It's the moon stage. Whatever whatever know. the name of the stage. <laughs> it is world class like the kind of Psytrance lineups that you only see in Europe and uh yeah, it's really going to be really hard to commit to selling those tickets. No, no, no. We'll, we'll be good. We'll be good. Just have faith. Oh. I kind of had a similar... Because I went to Envision Festival. Oh, you did? Yeah, earlier. Um, actually, my first Envision, I went last year. And then this year, I I was working for them, actually. Yeah? But yeah, I saw, like, just that experience alone as well. It's like going down to, like, a different environment completely and, like... That was something, for sure. Go to the jungle. Yeah. Like, Envision Literally. is a contributor to the Oregon thing. Right, so, right. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. so is, like, Sonic Bloom. Base Coast. Rainbow Coast. Serpent. Yeah. It's going to be a big deal. I think there's one called Happy or something like that from Japan. <laughs> happy? I think it's just happier. It's, like, it's something, like, really simple and cute. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I can't believe it's a few days and we're back at it. It's, like, I kind of wish that there was more time in between but uh, you know what quitting getting getting the event promotion off our plate for now is going to make it feel less hectic mm -hmm. so yeah cheers to that yeah cheers to that <laughs> <laughs> um so do you guys are you guys making a lot of music or um now that we're not going to be promoting anymore i'm gonna tanner hasn't really gotten into it i've i haven't had the time honestly and yeah. i i say that with you know 
a little uh, recognizing that I don't make the time all, all always, yeah, but when it does yeah. come to having your plate filled between having a day job and event promotion and the podcast and everything, like yeah, there are certain times where I could make time to do it, but yeah. th those are also like much needed fucking downtime. downtime well, and yeah. you, did, you did just complete a track. I did, yeah, I did a remix for uh, our buddy Jesse's called Sleep Wreck, and uh, I'm not sure when that's coming out. Yeah. yeah, but it's not that you aren't doing it; it's just it's fragmented pieces of of attention you yeah. know and i think i could, from what i see watching callie go through it it's it's got to be tough to have such big intervals in between when you sit down in the studio and try and work on music because i mean our roommate eric uh, gray matters he's like literally every day hours every day that's like he, uh, his dedication is so impressive and and like right right now i'm using his studio so right. i can't so that's another barrier is that i need to get uh, my own equipment yeah. I can't just storm into a studio and be like yo bitch it's my turn yeah <laughs> <laughs> <With the> coin <laughs> he's been he's been really awesome though I mean like there have been times where it's like man like can I just have an hour like yeah. I just I really want to get this done like the remix that I just did for Jesse like he's messaging me he's being like when are you, like, when are you gonna do the thing and it's almost done. I just you listen to the same thing over and over again. It loses uh, its meaning. You yeah. just start hating it. And you're like, all right, fuck it. It's done. That's when yeah. it's done. <laughs> yeah, especially yeah, just making electronic music like that is because you're just listening to that same like 32 bars over uh, and over. And yeah. Say the word celery over and over again. Yeah. I dare you. See how it sounds after the 20th time. It's your next song name. Celery. <laughs> I mean, I, my roommate just, he was working on a track, and I just saw him work, like, three days pretty much solid, just like, yeah. I, he's got his headphones on, and you know that it's just repeating over and over and yeah. over, it's yeah. like, yeah. Well, it's like, when you get into the groove, like, when you get into the, the flow state of it, and yeah. things just, things that are magical just start happening. The flow state is a really weird state to be in, especially when it comes to music, because, like, you'll spend all day in the studio, and, like, you'll come up with all this stuff, and then you'll go off and take a break and, you know, sleep overnight or whatever, and then go back to it. And because you're not in that same state, it's like, this sounds like garbage, yeah. you know? <laughs> or, like, you'll be fiddling with noises for, like, three hours of what you've been doing, and you've been trying to make something that entire time, and that, like, last last half hour, you just, like, hit gold somehow. Yeah. Like, it's just like, where the fuck did that come from? <laughs> Nothing but net. <laughs> the important thing is taking breaks. What Eric does is he, he sets a half-hour timer on his computer, so every so often you'll hear this ding yeah. go off and, you know... You obviously you can sit through it if you're if you're in the zone then that's fine but like yeah. if you're pushing and pushing till that half hour mark if you're going absolutely nowhere get up walk around separate yourself from it yeah so you're not gonna go anywhere if you're just mm -hmm. trying to push and power through it like you can't you can't force art yeah exactly <clears throat> and that's like like one thing as I get more into it that's it's like hard to like also when you have to like stop when you are in that zone, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like you could be doing something like awesome. And then if like your phone goes off or like you, I don't know, something happens, you have to go to the bathroom even. You're yeah. like, no, when you come back and uh, it's just like, or it's like four o'clock in the morning. You're like, I have to work at seven. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so like what, what program do you use? Ableton. Ableton. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I love Ableton. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's... it's easy. It's familiar. And plus Eric is, uh, he's, teaching uh ableton just to like he put up like an ad on kijiji or something like that and he's been having uh you know just people come over and pay him to give him lessons and stuff so i, I pretty much have that at my disposal like he he taught me how to use the program in the first place what was yeah. it like maybe two years ago yeah. i would go over to his place two, and two, yeah two or three yeah. yeah go over to his place and like he's more than happy to help and he's an amazing teacher and 
So that's awesome. Yeah, I have I have all of the things at my fingertips. I just need the things at my own my own things at my own fingertips. Yeah. Yeah. I was in a similar situation. Like my roommate has all the equipment, and I was like using his stuff for a while. But you know, if he's doing something with it, I can't be like, hey, yeah. can I? Uh... <laughs> yeah. Just kind of hovering around every like still <laughs> yeah still on there. <laughs> Definitely, my first investment post festival season is just going to be a, like finance a really good pair of studio headphones so that I can at least sit by myself in my room and tinker on my own laptop and not have to go in and and, uh, and use my roommates. And at least then I still have like his monitors to like bounce shit off of and yeah yeah, yeah. test things yeah, out on. I mean, it's all about. Just put the thing together with haste, right? Just do it and refine it in the quality situations. Like if you've got a studio that's down the hall, I mean, don't shy away from like it doesn't need to be perfect quality right at, like as it rolls out. Just get the structure. Just start screwing around with structure, and then you can like go back and polish the turd later. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure whether to take that as a compliment or definitely a compliment. Okay. Uh, there's like definitely definitely different parts of the songwriting process and like yeah you, you just need to hammer it and then you need to like polish it and yeah. I'm just so impatient by nature like yeah. when it comes to the actual learning curve I did this to myself when I was younger I taught myself how to play guitar when I was like 7 years old and the same kind of thing like you pick up a tab and you print it off and you think that you should be able to do this really crazy lick that fucking Jimi Hendrix did at seven years old, you know, I can't do it, so I throw my guitar across the room and get really frustrated because I can't do it right then and there. Did you actually ever throw a guitar? I threw my guitar once. Oh, my dad right. got very upset. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's the Your same thing a with... black belt Muay Thai. Yeah, so. he is. <laughs> he got his black belt. He's like he's 60-some-odd. 60, 60 how, how old's your dad, Kelly? Uh, 1959, <laughs> he was born. Math. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, like Ableton is such a huge learning curve too. Oh, yeah. And like, like once you get it, you get it. But then it comes down to when like, okay, separate this day for sound design. I don't want to fucking do that. I just yeah. want to make music. But you have to separate yourself and be like, well, you have to design your own sounds if you want to make your own music. Get over yourself, you know? Yeah. Like, so. Yeah, it is difficult. Like, especially with electronic music. Because like you said, there's sound design and there's you know, actually writing it and then you have to put it together and you have to arrange it and you have to mix or yeah. do the mix down and you've mastered if you're doing that as yeah. well. And yeah. yeah. And then add the, the mental breaks and calming your, you know, anxiety and uh, insecurity and all that in between all that, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. There's such a, that's self-loathing. Yeah. The self-loathing, there's the, self-loathing, the process that goes into what, like what artists to, to create a, a piece of music. It's insane. And then it's people like, want to pay you with exposure, and you're like, no! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the music industry is really interesting right now. And I know that, like, it used to be that you had to get into, like, a record deal, and then that would be how your music got distributed. Nowadays, like, the push to get your music distributed is so much more organic. Um, but the the ability or, like, the, the prospect of becoming profitable or becoming sustainable, let alone becoming famous and rich... I guess it's rich and famous is the way that you would say that. Um, it's like, it's almost impossible now. It's it's for it, the it's like, the percentage of people who hit and go go nuts. Like for instance, Bass Nectar. You know, like what he charges to play a set nowadays is astronomical. He was kind of he was kind of iconic, like a, like a, a pioneer, if you will, though. So. You know, Definitely. when you've been doing it for that long, it's it's not that it's not that he was charging that price the entire time. It's like the price kind of goes up and up and up the more and more and more famous you get. You know what though? Like I, 
I have a lot of faith in the music industry, knowing that when we first listened to Hay- Haywire's music, have you ever heard of Haywire? Yeah. Yeah, when we first heard of Haywire, it was like, oh my god, this guy is like a genius. He's like, he's got to be more well known, and he would he just wasn't. And like knowing that eventually, you know, he quit his job, and like I guess he moved to Vancouver, so he's one of us now. He's in Canada, <laughs> but he went full time and put everything into it, and now he's blowing up, and like as he should. And like people that are that talented and that I don't. If you haven't looked up Haywire, if you haven't seen, just go on YouTube and look up a Haywire performance demo. And he's got some really awesome videos of just him in the studio with his keyboard and like him playing his his pieces live oh. the way that he does it. He he brings his I don't I don't even know what he plays on. It's that big red synthesizer with like friggin' Hal nine thousand in it. Or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> but what he does with that keyboard is yeah. beautiful. Well, and, uh, Logan D Funk, another yeah. buddy of ours, I used to work with him at the Salt Lake. Yeah. He uh, pretty recently announced that he's finally quitting his uh, right. His job in the kitchen and is doing music full time now too. So I was one that I was actually surprised that wasn't already doing that because yeah. like I super admired his music. Well, and, imagine uh, my surprise finding out that Logan was coming to work with me at the Salt Lake. Like this is yeah. my first kitchen job ever, and I knew that it was Logan, and I knew that he was coming to work with me, but I never made the connection that like, oh shit, like I know a lot of your music. You're kind of a big deal. Yeah. And again, it's that whole like that pedestal thing and humanizing a person. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's great. And it, I think it was actually your guys' podcast that I heard that, and he was just like, yeah, I still have a kitchen job. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's amazing. Like, you don't really realize how much of a struggle is going on in behind, especially, yeah. like... Uh, He's been ripped off a number of times, too, yeah. just not getting paid and, like... The, so the cost of the lawyer to pursue it outweighs the cost of the money that he's not getting, so yeah. people just take advantage. Like, that's dumb. Yeah, that, that does yeah, suck. Nice. Especially, like... Because, like, we should be paying artists. Like, to they add so much to society and to, like, happiness. It's like we should be paying them fairly so they can put their, you know, heart and soul into Definitely. this instead of having to work at a kitchen or whatever yeah. warehouse like me. <laughs> Everybody expects their music for free nowadays. Yeah. One thing that we're just learning about now is that you can apply for grants for anything, any sort of art. You want to write an album, present it to some bureaucratic city committee and generally generally they'll give you the go ahead if they like your idea enough and you know the there's money there they they set aside money to fuel and and like fan the flame of of arts in in calgary and Mm -hmm. it's there you just it's kind of a it's a big process and usually it's best to just go find somebody who's been through it before be like can you please show me how to to get through this without my you know put my foot in my mouth but yeah, it's nice to be reminded, I guess, sometimes that like if you like, like for instance, Sleepwreck Jesse from Saskatoon, he just announced on Facebook. I saw that he got approved for his grant, and basically what that grant entails is for him to take six or eight months off and dedicate all of his life to studio time and music. And so his rent his is paid, and yeah, they like it, the money's That's there. Awesome. Yeah. And if you have a good an arts department in your in your t- your city or town, like go for it. That's yeah. the kind of thing I think. Like obviously, you'd have to go and like approach them with music that you've already created and like a little bit of a resume. Correct. Yeah. You can't just go in and be like, "Oh, I want to write music. Give me money." <laughs> That's what it's all about. It's about the proposal. It's like it's the same thing with going into a bank and trying to start a business and get a small business loan. Yep, you have to have it. a proper yeah. business plan, right? Yeah. And you have to sh- they have to at least see that you're taking it seriously. And that you have some sort of substance to back it up. Mm-hmm. And yeah. 
you can do the thing. <laughs> <laughs> so is that something that you guys are working towards then? Is doing well, music full time? Well, no, that's that's what I've been working towards my entire life. Like I've always known, like teaching myself to play the guitar. I've always known that music is what I want to do with my life. Cooking, like my day job is I'm a cook. I'm planning on going to school in October to get my my red seal and just get the extra knowledge because I've only been doing it four years. There's always things to learn. But that's more of a, a plan B, just in case, because like, you never want to be the struggling artist. You never want to be yeah. in that position where you don't know where your next bill's coming from because you didn't get booked for this, that, or the other gig, mm-hmm. or you know, it didn't sell enough paintings, or whatever your medium of choice is. But uh, yeah, I mean, like, ideally, that's that's what I want to do. Yeah. So, and I mean, like. I feel like everybody at some point, you kind of have to make that decision, too. It's like, am I just doing this because I like doing it? Do I want to, you know, just play some shows, have some fun? Or is this, like, serious, you know? Is this what I'm going to do with my life? Because I feel like you approach them in different ways as well. Well, whether or not you're able to treat it like an actual day job. Like, I have a number of friends who went to art school, like, post-secondary, like, to ACAD, and... Uh, many of them don't end up graduating because it's taking something that they liked to do as a hobby and turn it into this thing that they had to do, that they were forced to do, and they were being told how to do it by people whose styles that they didn't really agree with. Yeah. You know, like, draw me a hand. That's not how you draw a hand. This is how you draw a hand. It's like, well, what if that's how I draw my hands? Yeah, exactly. Like, fuck off. Who are you to tell me how to be creative? <laughs> so there's that whole dichotomy of it, and I think that's kind of the thing that worries me in, you know making it a job more than it is a happiness yeah but i mean if there's one thing that i've learned from cooking like i really like my job i like working with my hands i like making food but you you can have both you yeah. can be happy and a job yeah you can be, you a, can job. be a job you can, <laughs> <laughs> you can be happy in a job yeah no, no totally like i mean i just like i work in a warehouse and yeah. that's like it's a good place to work you know yeah. i like being on my feet just moving around like I would hate it if I worked a desk job. Yeah. So Yeah, exactly. Well, and you said that you listen to lots of podcasts during the day, right? So yeah. you work like solo. Yeah. That's like I'm a Finnish carpenter and I'm I, I get to do that. It's nice to be able to just put your headphones on and and kind of zone out, especially with the world of podcasting. Yeah, like yeah. Ugh, it's so intoxicating. I freaking love it. Yeah. Um but yeah, every time I have to work with other people, I'm always just like <laughs> <laughs> could be listening to something right now <laughs> it's kind of dumb yeah. <laughs> at least the kitchen i work in is interesting enough i work with three ravers so generally the music that gets played is the music that i am down with and enjoy yeah so a lot of people good. still call like if the term raver still has good solid handle or uh, holding yeah like the thing is like when was the last time there was like a rave rave in Calgary, like Fred used to. Did you ever go to Fred's parties? It, was... it depends on your definition of rave, because yeah. I would still technically call what we did at the Legion a rave. Yeah, I guess what Booting does on their big scale are raves. I know, but when, when you go out to the club, it might not be a rave. It's a club. They're playing electronic music, but there's still that inherent rave vibe, like. That's where it all came from, was these sketchy little underground shows and then evolved into something big. We're still all inherently ravers at heart. Yeah, okay. Sorry. It's like coming from the metal world. Like, <laughs> it's just... It's a subgenre of a subgenre. Especially like if when someone like Haywire's up there and he's like, you know, 
just this virtuoso piano genius and he's like doing his thing and or Govinda like playing his violin like I just don't it just doesn't feel right to call that a rave like they're they're performing artists right and like oh, it, sure. it may be in the electronic category and it may be most often routed through a DJ mixer or stuff like that but I don't know I, I think that raves are, are that like I mean everybody knows what a rave used to be it's that big warehouse and like just lasers glow sticks I guess Psytrance kids mowing their faces off Psytrance is really rave Psytrance is pretty rave yeah on a scale yeah I like like I wonder how you would rate that scale you know like you need a scale of raviness yeah like Psytrance is up here I feel like Long Walk Short Dock and like that kind of ragey techno is pretty far up there but then like okay like talk about like uh really deep like techie dub yeah. would you consider that ravey i don't know or is Callie scintilla ravey yeah or even dubstep yeah. like heavy dubstep heavy dubstep right. is ravey <laughs> <laughs> it is but there's a mosh pit so like yeah. i've moshed at psytrance shows before yeah, so people didn't like me for it doesn't mean it didn't happen there's been more than a few times where you've been like flailing your head around and one of these beads on your dreadlocks comes around and cranks me in the eye or something and i've seen you do it to other people i have to apologize I... to people beside me at festivals just like i will hit you with my hair you might want to step back it's like no no it's fine <laughs> Yeah. You need space. You gotta give people space when they're dancing. Uh, like, yeah. <laughs> I like to dance big. I don't like it when I'm yeah. like scrunched in. Well, stuff, don't so. say I didn't warn you, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, just dance with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, if you could give, because you guys do a lot of festivals and stuff, um, if you could give one person, or sorry, one piece of advice to a person who maybe wants to kind of get into the festival scene. Uh, whether it be getting involved or just, you know, kind of taking that step and maybe just attending by themselves or something, like, what would it be? Just do it. Uh, actually, no, I, uh, there's a really good piece of advice that Haley, like Hailstorm, she, I think she said that she most often heard in, in the medical world because she's like a, first, she's a nurse, or not a nurse, uh, what is she? She's medical something. Yeah, she's first medical aid. something. Anyway, um, she said that there's a really good phrase for people getting into the medical world is there's see one, do one, teach one. And I think that kind of like applies to festivaling too. Like, go ahead and experience it, but don't like, don't put too much responsibility or like uh, expectation on how it's supposed to be or how it's, you know what you're supposed to do. Especially Burning Man, like Burning Man, get out there and just see it, and because and, you can't really, f- you don't even know what it, how it's going to affect you or what it's going to do to you or how you're going to feel about it. Um, so yeah. like, get out there and see one, and the next year like do one, like get involved somehow, and then teach one like it may not be you know the third year but just go in that process like get out there and then it's one thing to be a volunteer that was like probably the most rewarding experience for me was getting involved with like astral harvest and 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 the sanctuary team and and just feeling what it's like to be an integral part of making the thing happen for everybody and it like it was so rewarding but then to push it one step further and like to really drive that home is like to teach one and get in there and start actually like trying to teach other people like I guess you know even this right now trying to like usher in some advice to the people coming in and make sure that you're giving back to the community well like, I think... especially like test your drugs if you're gonna do yeah, for fuck's sake. The, the electronic music <laughs> world oh, is very it goes hand in hand with substance use yeah. and I feel like these past 18 months two years have been scary have been scary it's like people are are dropping left right and center and like it's just the 
I don't know whether or not it's just evil manufacturers or just like shitty street dealers or whatever your friends are like or the government or the government yeah yeah wait wait wait. i want to go back to the original question though because i don't think i don't think i think that you answered the question in such like c1 do one teach one c1 implies that you're already there Hmm. no c1 means go and see one well yeah so like just do it like let me let me put it in in a perspective in two ways our first festival ever was shambhala 2011 kind of a big thing to just go yeah. in and subjugate yourself to if you've never been to one before. The following yeah. year, um, then we did Astro Harvest, Motion Ocean, then Shambhala again. So it was like big and then little, middle, big again. Yeah. So it was interesting. It was definitely like a crazy shock to the system and wandering around and like on the, uh, on the Wednesday and uh, yeah, the, yeah, the Wednesday and Thursday nights before the Fractal Forest and the village and everything opens, you're peeking up over the fence trying yeah. to like see what's on the other side because <laughs> yeah. you have no fucking idea. The I've forest was like yeah. screaming at us and yeah. like it's all roped off and you're just like, there's there's testing speakers but in there's, there. But there's <laughs> things behind there and what I want to go happening? inside. Yeah. But yeah, so like if if you're not just going to just, you, you just, you, you do just have to do it. The second thing, yeah. the second perspective is uh, for our M Machine show, uh, one of the guys that I work with, he's actually the one who I'm going to be apprenticing under when I go to school. His name is Phil. He is, he has that, like, he's not an old man by any means, but he has that old man mentality. We listen to our, you know, rave music in the kitchen. He's like, oh, you guys cut that out. Like, give me an hour of my, you know, whatever, classic rock and 90s music and whatever. Yeah. And we'll allow him that. But then when we finally convinced him to, like, come to the show, like, he, he's known that we've been, we throw shows and told him that, like, this is the last one that we're doing for a very long time. Like, just just come, just come. So he buys a ticket, and seeing the process of growth in the week leading up, he's just, like, he comes up, he's like, so, like, how, like I don't know how to dance. Like, how am I supposed to dance? Like, dude, don't worry. People don't judge you. Nobody gives a fuck. Nobody's looking at you. They're yeah. all, like, focused on their own shit or whatever. And then, like, three days before, he comes up, and he's just like, so do you want to hear what I'm planning on wearing? He's like, I'm going to wear this like salmon pink shirt with these bright blue sunglasses and these tacky cowboy boots. And I'm like, dude, you'll fit right in. It's that Nailed once it. you make the conscious decision to just do it, yeah. it's, it's like your brain switches over. And like once it's dedicated to doing it, then it starts planning for how you're going to do it, not if you're going to do yeah, it. it that's, it's the same thing with starting a podcast too. Like I remember um, we, we recently went to like a podcast summit um, it was actually, it was kind of cool. It was, I mean, I did definitely get some stuff from it, but there was a lot of people in the audience that were thinking of starting a podcast, right? And yeah. they had a plan for it. And two different people asked, like, what advice do you have for me to just, like, get the thing done and then, like, get it out there? And it, it really is, like, when it comes to doing, the, uh, doing a podcast, like, just do it. Stop thinking about how... Uh, like specific you want it to end up because it by doing it it may evolve into something else and like just you know I guess record an episode or two episodes that are for throwing away nobody's gonna listen to them anyways you have no name from the beginning right if they happen to turn out as like a cool back catalog item or something then keep them and and throw them out later but like it's it's tough getting past that do it It, actually Dan Harmon was talking about it like it was actually him reiterating what his uh, therapist was saying to him. He was saying that, like, thoughts inherently don't turn into action, but actions definitely 100% always turn into more thought, yeah. right? So it's like, 
how do you get somebody to go to their first rave? How do you get somebody to go to their f- first festival? How do you get somebody to get up the guts to go and perform in a talent show for the first time? How do you get up the guts to jump out of an airplane and go skydiving? <laughs> you just do it. Yeah. Shia LaBeouf, just do it! <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's, it seems so simple and so frivolous. It's like, how could I overlook it? Like, obviously, I just have to do it. It's just, yeah. You just have to do it. Yeah, definitely. And like... You got to put yourself in situations that are uncomfortable, like music. That's festival. how you grow. Exactly. Like, right. yeah. But on that note, if you if it is like if you're looking to go to a music festival for the first time and you haven't been, uh, it's probably very important to find a good group of friends who can help you help guide you through your first one because yeah. they're going to be the ones like making sure you drink water. Yeah. And, like making sure that you don't black out on the first night yeah. or something. Yeah. For don't me. go too hard on the first night. Especially and Burning Man. Like all the alcohol is free. Like I imagine uh, somebody getting a little carried away on the first night. You could put yourself into a three-day hangover pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> well, and maybe even, maybe even too, just start small. Like like Western Canada-wise, like start with a smaller festival like Astral Harvest or Inshallah. Yeah. Or even Freezer Burn, you know? Like yeah. a couple hunt. Well, I guess Astral Harvest isn't is a couple thousand people. but No, uh, Astral's like more like four. Yeah. But like Inshallah and Freezer Burn are more in the like couple hundred, not couple, not not quite a thousand people. It's definitely like smaller, more intimate family vibes. Inshallah has kids, you know. Inshallah doesn't really have a need for a sanctuary because it's not a super ragey, ravey party. It's more yeah. an environment of connection and workshops and family and cool. and all that kind of stuff. So you know, yeah. start small. You don't have to go to Shambhala right away if you're not ready for it. Yeah. Yeah, and if you don't have a a friend that's going to the festival like just post on the event page like i see it all the time at shambhala people are just like i've never been i need a crew i need some friends i already have my ticket don't know what i'm doing all over it they just jump they're just like yes please like come out like get to know us like we have this awesome camp we will morph you (laughs) i really do i'm really uh my life was forever changed after going to shambhala just seeing what that world was like and it uh it added a new lens to looking at the whole world. Definitely. I'm very appreciative of what it's mm-hmm. done to my life. I feel like kind of dipping my toes into that world was what brought me to you. And Aww. yeah. <laughs> the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. So Ew. Yeah. Yeah. I like this one. <laughs> we can stop the podcast. He's being gross. <laughs> it's a terrible place to end. <laughs> I definitely agree. Like my first, like my first festival was Shambhala as well, and yeah. that just kind of what year? Uh, I think twenty twelve actually. Yeah. yeah, and I have been going every year so since, great. except yeah. so. not this year, okay. unfortunately. But I just don't have the time off. Yeah, and I'm, I'm doing quite a few other festivals yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, I kind of follow the same path that like the, what we were just discussing. You know, yeah. like first you go to it, and then you kind of get involved, and then you show people. And yeah, I see a crew sticker on your uh, yeah. laptop. There, there you go. What, yeah. do you do, what do you do out there? Uh, I just did the anything anything goes yeah. for Shambhala. Yeah. Uh, I did that one year. Not last year, but the year before that. And then I also volunteered at Fozzy Fest that year, yeah. and you know, getting involved in the festival like that is just such a different experience yeah. and it's cool too like working pre-show especially for festivals like Shambhala building pagoda you're there for a week before a bunch of other people are out there may long like getting yeah. everything ready and stuff and leading all the way up the week before when the farm is empty and there's nobody there yeah. and then you know the the 
Tuesday night, or the, what is it, the Monday and the Tuesday is when the first round of volunteers first start coming in. Yeah. So now all of a sudden there's hundreds and hundreds more people there. And then the Wednesday night when the gates open and yeah, you just... Wednesday morning. Or yeah, Wednesday morning. <laughs> yeah. You just like, the, you feel the energy change and you wake up first thing in the morning and you can tell that that parking lot is full. A, because there's a bunch more dust in the air and B, because you can hear that collective yeah. traveling <laughs> scream. Oh, you know? and actually these past... I, I have goosebumps talking about it right now. <laughs> these past few years they haven't actually let volunteers camp anywhere across the road from the, yeah. the stage sites because they've been uh, there was a lot of people that were kind of complaining about the fact that they were paying eighty dollars to get in for the early entry day on uh, Wednesday and like as a regular attendee and then they were coming in and all of the volunteers because there's a lot of volunteers yeah. had sniped all of the best camp spots so they were like let's even this out you guys can camp on this side of the road but the minute the gates open on 8 a.m. on Monday it's free for all and it's hilarious like every time every year i like to sit out there on the road and watch because there's people with their tents torn down and like all of their bags on one side of the road and then it's almost as if an air horn goes off and it's like chuck wagons of people just storming in from the gates as all the volunteers are storming across the field and it just turns into this like everybody for yourself i think that is one thing that i want to witness this year is that like wake up early enough on the wednesday morning and make the trek over to where the gates are because you know that there's people like like busting down the like what? Oh, yeah. there's a term there's a term for that there's, there's like a line and then you cut it and then people run in you know oh, you like open a like general store it or no you know. tape tape yeah, I don't know <laughs> you cut the ribbon cut you, yeah, you yeah ribbon cut ribbon busters yeah. door busters what are you talking about sure <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's a word for it Stampede? A stampede. stampede. It's, it is a stampede. We're, we're, I'm done reaching. Stampede. Stampede. <laughs> I'll drink. I'm sorry. But even just being there, uh, like the Tuesday night, or I think it was the Tuesday night, but because the, they let the people into the parking lot or the holding yeah. lot, and yeah. just like you and go, that's a whole party in itself. Yeah, exactly. You just go in there. You're like camping. You just kind of like go and party with all the people in the line. Everybody and... <laughs> drinks all their booze there because you can't bring it into yeah. the festival. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you walk like. 20 feet to your right there's bocce ball you walk 20 feet to your left there's somebody that has like a, a renegade stage set up in the back of their truck <laughs> if, yeah some people they speak really poorly of like I don't oh man I like, I'm like. i gonna sit out there for 13 hours it's like dude you're gonna love those 13 hours yeah. it's gonna be a riot that's the it's a lineup party man yep it's yeah, nothing like it man what other festival really has the lineup party I, th I bet Burning, Burning man, man does yeah. Yeah. we got there that one year even the exodus year. lineup party yeah the exodus party Holy, it took us 10 or 11 hours to get out this past year. Yeah. And just, like, they, they move the traffic in pulses so that it's not a constant block on the highway. So there's, like, breaks for regular traffic. And there's and, one pulse every hour. Yeah, on the hour. Yeah. And, and they have their own radio station, so it's, like, keeping you <laughs> updated with, like, traffic and, like, general happenings around Burning Man. And, hey, this person needs a ride to this place. Come to yeah. this and pick her up. And oh, It's, like, an entire civilization it is a city that, it's considered yeah, a city materializes and then dissolves yeah. in the course of three weeks yeah like total yeah that's definitely something that i would like to do sometime at least just do it yeah yeah just do it that's one i feel like you got to be a little bit more prepared you, for do. you do it's so funny the whole concept of demonetization and you know there's no money there's no trade there's no barter everything is is free and based on gifting and all this stuff but the money you spend getting out there yeah boy howdy <laughs> 
comf- like comfortably, if you want to live like super comfortably, it's like a grand. Yeah. Or it was it was a grand for like between the two of us. Well, we were like outfitting our coolers with dry ice and then regular ice and like making you know you you take a lot of extra care and attention into making sure that you survive. In the desert. <laughs> um, you buy all your own food, all your own water. There's no like food trucks or anything out there. Yeah, there are yeah. camps that serve food, but you know, rap- radical self reliance another one of the principles you don't want to depend on on anybody right. else to survive in the desert yeah. and there are people who do obviously which yeah. sucks but yeah this is what it is <laughs> i feel like it's something though to see before you die for sure oh yeah like yeah, my dad right. even wants to go to burning man or before it dies because yeah. i'm sure that it can't go forever. what's going on in the desert there is finite because yeah. it's it's logistically crazier and crazier every year and i think that nevada is getting a little i guess there's been a decade of talk of the nevada just being like i don't know we're getting kind of tired of this well here's the thing um there's still water on the playa right now i just yeah. read an article recently and in the article it mentioned that burning man does have two backup locations should either something go wrong and they can't build in time or if they just get kicked off the land they have two backup locations they won't yeah. obviously disclose where they are but <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty awesome though. yeah i can't imagine hosting an event of that scale yeah oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, i'm sure they didn't either when they first started oh you never do <laughs> yeah you never do and i guess like we didn't really see ourselves you know, where we are today when we first started, like, you're not really looking that far ahead. You're just like, you're focused on the next thing that you're throwing and that's all that you're doing. And it grows and builds upon itself organically. You're like, well, let's do this better. Let's do that better. Let's make this thing bigger. Let's bring this bigger artist. Let's spend more money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's fun. It's great fun. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. We wanted to originally host a music festival for our wedding. That's where the Genesis, the Genesis series and the Genesis project originally started. It's a series of events held as fundraisers for our wedding that we wanted to throw a festival for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we did. We just we had to bail from that idea because number one, they weren't really fundraising, and number two, no, you don't make money. It was just <laughs> it like at first, it was like, well, we're not ready. Like we can't do like a festival right now, and then we push it a year, and it's like, oh, we're not ready. And then like push it a year, and then it's just like, this is starting to sound like a really bad idea. Like, a, we'd have to dedicate most of our year to doing a festival. Like, I don't, I don't not even realize that, but... how much work goes into making a week end happen. Yeah. yeah, one single night. How much work goes into making one single night yeah, happen? Single night. Let alone a wedding. I don't know yeah. how many people listening right now have ever plan their own wedding usually you hire a wedding planner we did not yeah um so we've planned things before yeah we We planned events like a wedding's totally gonna be the exact same fuck no (laughs) so to like to add the stress of an entire weekend of festival on top of what the wedding already was i'd probably i'd I'd be dead i would die (laughs) i wouldn't even kill myself i would just die (laughs) yeah and last year was insanity because our wedding was june 12th and then uh, inshallah or freezer burn was June 19th mm-hmm. yeah it was like immediate you know get past the wedding try and shake your head off and boom right into festival season so that's why like um, thank god for Millie who gifted us a Burning Man ticket last minute we, we didn't really supposed have to a go. honeymoon yeah she was just like you guys didn't get a honeymoon man Like, and she was like I need a bunch of stuff driven down to the playa and you have a trailer I'm gonna give you a ticket and a vehicle pass get your ass in your car and come down have a honeymoon. We had a week to figure out whether or not we wanted to 
to do it. This is literally <laughs> the week before Burning. Burning yeah. Man usually takes like a good month of solid planning yeah. and money, either money gathering or just f- or um, like food and just yeah, just yeah. sorting your life out, yeah. Yeah. preparing for like. Yeah, relocating we, to the desert. We decided in a week, and we made it go, and it was great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was wonderful, but not this year. No. Not this year. Yeah. I'm sure it's a lot, like, yeah. financially and just time-wise. and It is a lot of energy, too. Like, when you're out there, the desert makes you experience the entire range of human emotions yeah. in a single day. Yeah. Dehydration yeah. and the the sun and... It's just uh, all the booze and everything. Like it's just it turns you into a crazy person. Yeah, definitely. Men I... don't know what PMSing is like. <laughs> you do if you go to Burning Man. <laughs> all the emotions. <laughs> it was somewhat similar at Envision Festival because it was in the jungle. It's hot too. It's yeah. Hot. But like, that that's like hot and humid. Yeah. Right. It's like oh my it's god. It's gotta be worse. Hot. Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine that being worse because Burning Man, like forty degrees in the desert is so much easier to tolerate than 32 in the humidity. The desert coats you, it cakes you in the dust, so you don't really have to wear that much sunscreen because you're already caked and shit. And just the fact that you're not perspiring, you're not sweating, you don't feel as hot as you actually are. Yeah. Like, I was not prepared for the first time I went to Envision (laughs) Festival. So what made you pull the trigger on Envision? Uh, The first time? Yeah. Uh... I just felt like I needed to do something yeah. kind of by myself. I went by myself. Yeah. Are you saying you just did it? I just did it. Yeah. <laughs> Case in point. <laughs> I was like, I need to like travel or something. Like I'm in a rut and I was looking at flights and I saw that it was cheap to fly to Costa Rica. And I was like, there's this festival in Costa Rica. I'm going to go to that. And yeah. it was my first festival by myself too. So cool. yeah. Is it a good experience? Oh yeah. yeah. It was like a life changing experience. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I've like, Doing inshallah by my well, quote unquote, by myself, and Tanner doing freezer burn by himself. You're not, you're still not by yourself because we have so much friends and community and people that we already know. Like, yeah. I, I would like to challenge myself to, maybe not a, well, maybe a festival. I was just gonna say travel by myself, but I feel like a festival would be a easier step because at least you're surrounded by like minded people. Yeah, and yeah. It's not just like culture shock of being in this strange city with nowhere to go. Yeah. Spread your wings and fly. <laughs> it was awesome. It was like, yeah, definitely what I needed at that point. And it like somewhat kind of inspired this whole thing as yeah. well. Yeah, cool. Podcast and shit. So. Cool. Yeah. yeah. When did you start it up? Uh, May last year. Okay. So it's just over a year now. Yeah. So we're we're like at a year and a half, and like we just released like episode twenty eight. Yeah. We've got like nine more sitting on the back burner that we just I got to get them done and get them out yeah well i'm almost maybe like technically episode 31 yeah. there's been a few we had to scrap yeah. and that'll happen yeah, yeah, that happened yeah. too it's like wow the audio on this just completely got fucked up awesome maybe your guests and co-hosts get a little bit too drunk <laughs> or just like the one that we did with uh Clozy. Like a, a year ago, yeah. we were just all so tired, <laughs> and you could just tell, like, the, it was just kind of dry. And the, you know, she came over to our house for an after party after we brought her, and we brought back the PK speakers and built a couch fort around them, and it was awesome. <laughs> and we hung, we, we the entire time we had the plans to like get home and do the podcast, but then we lost track of time kicking it in this legitimate base fort. <laughs> and we look at the clock, we're like, oh. It's 8 a.m. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's 8 a.m. It's like, oh, I don't know if we can do this podcast. And Chloe's just like, no, no, yeah, we could totally do it. We could totally do it. And we're all just sitting around the table, like, haggard, dry, 
not really fluid conversation, just question, answer, question, answer, question, answer. Yeah. Like it was like 20 minutes and we were just like, all right, let's go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You definitely get into like a flow, like kind of that flow, same flow state when you're doing yeah. podcasts and stuff, yeah. you know? Yeah. Dan Harmon recently had a guest, or no, it was, I don't think it was recently. It was like in his back catalog. I've been listening to a lot of his podcasts. Um, but he had this, uh, this freestyle artist, something eagle, Mike the Eagle, something, something. Uh, anyways, but he started talking about and uh, making reference to the, the flow state and how he was actually a part of this experiment where um, he was plugged into, or I guess like, inserted into an MRI machine so that they could, and they would just like lay down a beat for him and he would just start flowing and freestyling yeah, um, just, just so that they could specifically observe the flow state. Cause you can't really observe the flow state when it comes to like spinning staff or poi yeah. or props or anything in an MRI. Yeah, cause exactly. that'd be pretty insane. Um, but like just uh, when, when your brain, when you're having a conversation with somebody, you have your language center lighting up and whatever, Others like whether it's uh, when you're recalling things that have happened, like right now I'm recalling listening to this podcast, so that would be the memory center of my brain. Yeah. When you're in the flow state and you're freestyling and you're just making up shit on the fly in relation to sound, whatever center of your brain that's hearing the sound is lighting up, but the only thing that is lighting up is the language center. Yeah. Like there's not a lot of activity anywhere else. It's just like this fluid. Like you're not mm. you're not really thinking or like especially if you're a practice freestyler yeah you know like when you're first yeah. starting out freestyling i assume that you know you're struggling and you're reaching and you're thinking of things that well, other people have said and flow states are born from muscle memory right you have to get that repetitive motion yeah dug into your brain really yeah like i doing a solo you know like on a guitar it's, yeah it's not like you're thinking of every note you're, you're not even thinking exactly you're yeah just you're just playing play. Yeah. yeah. Even like arts or whatever. Yeah. Like I've definitely done some like drawings or something and when I'm done it's like where the hell did that even come from? <laughs> yeah. You know? like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Came through me. Yeah. <laughs> of me. Uh Stephen Kotler though, he's a uh, he's on he's been on like Joe Rogan and yeah. uh some other podcasts, but he studies flow states and he has yeah. just a couple books out there and really good if you're into into that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I think I recall listening to that episode. Was he the guy that had like Lyme disease? Yeah. Yeah. And he went through like a really crazy, terrible experience with that. Like, yeah. This doctor like misdiagnosed him with HIV. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He like, it, like ruined his life. And I mean, also Lyme disease again. is pretty crappy too, but yeah. no, but yeah, he had some really interesting things to say about yeah. those dates. It was, it's such a trippy thing. Cause it's, you just kind of let go and like everybody's everybody that has any talent or like really a specific craft that's the the best piece of advice is like just get to that point where you can let go yeah and that's where the beauty is yeah definitely that's what production has really helped with for me too and like I, I used to paint a lot but whenever I would paint something it was usually something that I'd be like visualizing off something else I would or like even just visualizing in my head I would never I, there was a couple times where I challenged myself to just like start painting and make a line and see where it goes, but I never. That's where the the the, the, the self judgment and you know self loathing come in, and it's just like this is like this isn't turning out how it should. Like yeah. you compare yourself to other people, and yeah. it's just yeah. It's a really hard thing not to do is to compare yourself to people that you respect, mm -hmm. like whether you're making music, whether you're painting, whether you're doing anything. Like you have your like a natural 
uh, inclination uh, to compare yourself to yeah. like things that you like. It's like, why doesn't it sound like this or whatever? Well, a lot of the time, I feel like that's where art stems from. In yeah. in that you you draw inspiration from an external source, yeah. and then translate it in your own language. Yeah. So yeah. I guess it really just comes down to: Are you trying to translate it in your own language, or are you trying to reproduce a language that's already been spoken? Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's exactly it because you do need that initial idea from somewhere. Yeah. Like it's very rare these days that somebody's just going to come up with something that's entirely new that's never been done before. Well, realistically, entirely new that's never been done before is the creation of the universe. Even painters, (laughs) painters draw their inspirations from, I see a tree, I'm going to paint this tree. You're drawing inspiration from somewhere, whether it's another artist or just something that you're experiencing or even a feeling like these are all things that are inherently already there. I don't, I don't know if like, saying is like, the universe like painted another universe (laughs) (laughs) universe painting itself painting itself get bob ross on this (laughs) it's a happy tree it's a happy little tree (laughs) it's just like the natural evolution of art though i guess like even if you are painting you may draw from me it's like the entire thing progresses together yeah well yeah it's like your interpretation that's almost kind of a discerning notion though is that like are there really truly any original artists like if you're if you're constantly generating inspiration from something either like an external force or something you see or even if it's just something you feel i guess maybe something you feel would be the most genuine interpretation of original art because you can't see or hear or smell a feeling yeah if you can paint what you're feeling i guess that's but we technically we only really regard people like picasso as like uh they, like they have their style as an individual artist because they're the one that's famous for it. Like in in the time that he was painting, there might have been someone teaching him those skills that wasn't famous, mm-hmm. or there might have been other paintings that he saw that inspired him to be like of that style. And yeah. it's like those people weren't technically immortalized with their craft, but it's not to say that like they like Picasso wasn't sort of copying other people or something. You know, like it's, I, yeah. I don't think any art is truly. 100% unique because everybody's kind of using the same medium, which is just yeah. like the world around you. Yeah. I read a really interesting article today while I was at work um, talking about how a lot of like more artists today, like using oils and acrylics, are able to create these ridiculous lifelike, even tattoo artists like pop yeah. out at you, you. You're pretty sure that they could actually just be a real, like a, an actual photograph. Yeah. Um, and comparing it to why in, in the 15th century and stuff, why couldn't the kings and queens of the time be painted in this same fashion? Yeah. Like, what is it about us now that has given us more of a sense of realism? Yeah. Um, and the reason for that is because a lot of these artists are painting from a still photograph. Yeah. They're painting from somebody that they're able to see perfectly still. When, when these kings and queens and royalties and uh, higher-ups were being painted, they would you know, sit there on their chair as still as they possibly could. But every yeah. so often, you, you can only sit there for yeah. so long. You'd have to go up, go to the bathroom, grab something to eat, do whatever you have to do. And it'd probably be over, like, a couple of days or exactly. whatever. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think a big thing of it, too, is uh, just the building on the knowledge that is already there with things like the Internet. You can see all the Picassos and, you know, all the, like, what's already been done. And you're like, well, I can take this, but I'm going to build off of it. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like uh, in that uh, Stephen Kotler book, he, the, like skateboarding's like, you know, you can get into the flow state real easy. And it took 
Tony Hawk like forever to do a 900 and that was the big trick yeah. and then like two years later this like something else like 13 year old kid comes up and he pulls off a 900 <laughs> and it's like what <laughs> because he's like you know he knew it was possible so yeah. he was shooting for that you, you wonder know? if there's like this kind of like net of creative consciousness that or even just ideas in general that is it's like as soon as you put an idea out there into the world it's like somebody else has access to that to that 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 database it's, uh, it's called yeah. the hundredth monkey right the concept uh. there's a term for it it's called the hundredth monkey is basically like um every so often like an idea pops up on one side of the world and then like it pops up everywhere i think that's the term for what i'm i'm referring to i know what you're right? talking about though, yeah where it's, it's like yeah uh, it's like something like an idea will pop up on one side of the world and then without universal communication yeah that idea also pops up on the other side of the world and in other places it kind of like it's it's that whole I don't know. It's pretty woo-woo, but like if everybody, you know, there's there's information being like channeled from a source or something yeah. that's like downloading from yeah. some sort of uh, mothership, you know. Even the <laughs> fact that you can find the pattern of the flower of life on ancient relics all over the world from different civilizations who were too far apart to have to be able to have any contact with each other. Yeah. Do you guys see that there's um, an AI printer? Um, it basically. It took the style of one artist who was like in the 1500s or whatever, painted all of these like portraits, like face portraits of people, and it drew from a database and yeah. made a completely new face. Yeah, this was yeah. on Bill Nye Saves the World. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, that was awesome. That was crazy. That's so Just crazy. That, you're like, wow, that was yeah, this person doesn't exist. Yeah, this person doesn't <laughs> exist, but it looks like a real person. Yeah, that was insane. Yeah. Uh, that's a whole nother, like, what AI yeah. is going to be like in oh, the future. Yeah. Is it going to start making music? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I think they already have a AI song. I don't know how good it is. but <laughs> How good it is for now. For now, exactly. I'm going to put all of us out of business. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, they're just going to take us over. There's not going to be any need for humans anymore. And yeah. it's going to be like Wally. We're all going to get fat and float around in these cool little chairs and talk to each other on TVs and eat our Big Macs, and... <laughs> which I'm totally down for. I'm tired. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm okay taking a break for the rest of my life being fat in this floating chair. <laughs> Maybe it's already happened and we just jacked into this video yeah, right. game that we call. No, simulation theory. Please don't talk about simulation theory. Yeah. <laughs> Can't do it. Dude, you want don't... to talk about a movie that really like rocked the freaking table was The Matrix. Yeah. Because then like every day from that moment on, everybody's like, what if? Whoa, holy I like, shit. I'll, like... I'll stay plugged in The Matrix. Yeah. I'm good here. Ignorance is bliss. Oh, so yeah. bliss. Honestly, like, what's out? Like, what's out there that like Matrix is? All, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll stay plugged into the Matrix. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it looks like Neo's life was shit after he left. <laughs> like, yeah, man. Fun here. Screw that. <laughs> cool. What was the the most recent Wachowski Brothers movie? Wachowski twins. Oh, the Jupiter Rising. Yeah, it Jupiter sucked. Ascending. Or yeah, uh, it sucked. Yeah, with like Channing Tatum. Was yeah. It? yeah, and Mila Kunis. Yeah. It was bad. Anything Mila Kunis is the best thing in the world, but, but <laughs> I guess yeah, it wasn't really that good. She she was the only, the only good part. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then Sensate getting canceled. Yeah. Which sucks. You ever see Sensate? It's like. It's it's kind of kind of cloud atlasy in the sense of not like not dealing with past lives, but um, 
like eight souls that are connected across oh, the world. Yeah, and, okay. The Netflix show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Super strong, like LGBT vibes and yeah. Yeah, just, the Wachowskis. Yeah. Oh, huh, interesting. Yeah. Wachowski twins. Twinses. Twinses. <laughs> <laughs> it's kinda of cool how like even with T V and movies, you're kinda of get stepping away from the traditional model of, you know, you have to like go with a big studio or whatever and you can just approach someone like Netflix and be like, I got this idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah they don't even edit it. They're just like just yeah, just give, roll give with us it, something. man. Yeah, do what yeah. you do. We'll see what the first season's like. If people like it, we'll give you another one. Yeah. <laughs> it's like in Dumb and Dumber when Harry's peeing on Lloyd, like sitting on the scooter. It's like just, just go, man. Just go, man. just go. Yeah, that's a great analogy. Yeah, it's exactly like Netflix. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> wow, we deviated so far from like. I'm really good at that. <laughs> I think every podcast inevitably like goes like yeah. way off oh, into yeah. left field As or whatever. Should. Yeah, <laughs> those are the best ones, right? Yeah. Same thing. You sit down, like you have a list of questions for your guests, like just in case conversation. Yeah, you know, has like a pause or whatever, but hopefully it doesn't. Yeah, we've been pretty lucky in that regard. We yeah, really had to. Except when we do podcasts at eight a.m. Yeah, it's not never again. Yeah, yeah, never again. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually like bringing our podcast project to festivals was interesting because. Yeah staying sharp and not hung over or something yeah. like for trying to be responsible and, and be there to show up and do the thing was really like a lot of work. Yeah. It was tough. Waking well, up and also and for your like, guests, oh, we got to get set up at like noon or, you know, you know, get pushed back to two and then we'd have to like restructure some times. And also for your guests, half the time, like you schedule something with, like an artist or whatever, they're partying just as hard as you are. So yeah. you put forth all the effort to like get up and be there for noon and you're waiting around. You're like, they're not coming. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's a festival too. So it's like, you can't just be like, Hey, where are you? Yeah. <laughs> we'll see how this year goes. Yeah. I mean, we promised like last year at pirate party, we, we were just like, let's just get there and then we'll plan everything. I'll, I, I did try to set up a couple episodes prior to that, but uh, this year will be different. It's we. I think we, we should just, actually start planning now and yeah. sending out, putting out the calls. We should, yeah. I'm not going to bother with freezer burn because we're, we're going to be apart. We're not going to be at the same festival, so yeah. I guess our first one will be Astral. Harvest. Astral. <laughs> I, mean, I have like just a portable recorder and I've like brought that to every festival I've been to this year <clears throat> which is only two I guess but I mean with the intent of being like going out and like talking it's to hard. people like maybe just to get some information or write an article or something yeah. but it's like that thing stays in my tent the yeah. entire time <laughs> we actually won a little uh, like a high quality microphone from the podcast summit that we went to and plugs, yeah. it plugs like right into the bottom of Tanner's phone and oh sweet you can, you can adjust the the uh spread of it yeah that's awesome it's yeah it's a little share microphone that sure. plugs into the bottom of an iphone and it yeah you can, you can choose whether or not it's like just a regular like condenser cardioid pattern kind of thing or you can switch it so that it's like left and right out of each side and i really want to utilize it i really want to get get an episode in i mean you could basically accomplish the same thing with an iphone rather than, except no I, I realize that when it's plugged in i can't be charging the phone so we wouldn't be able to do it for very long, right? I'm well, sure it trains no, the well, battery like, pretty hard. How, how, it, it plugs in through the charge port, so... No, I understand that, but how how how, how long of a thing are you planning on recording with that little walk-around mic? I don't know, man. We that, just... that little thing's going to be great for, like, 
wandering backstage and being like, hey, how's it going? Do you yeah, mind yeah, if we yeah. ask you a few questions and sit down and chat for a while? Yeah, I won't be able to do a, a two or three hour podcast like we normally do. No, if we're going to do a two or three hour podcast, yeah. we're going to do it at our shit that's already set up. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I guess like if, <laughs> if anybody listening hasn't checked ours out, it's it's all on genesisproject.com. Yeah. It's just cool. kind of like the hub to go find it. or Find us on Facebook at the Genesis Project. Or in the, in the podcast app of your choice. All right, it's the Genesis Thought Lab. Yes. I'm really excited to get, like, focus our energy back into it because I had high aspirations for it and, like, I just got so snowballed by all the other things that were going on and and it really crushed me that it started lagging behind and, like, the the episode that we released this this weekend, like, it was almost two months ago that we released an episode, so... Yeah, we're on a backlog of things from last summer. These episodes are almost a year old now. Yeah. So... Yeah, we still have three episodes from Master Artists to release. Four episodes from Motion Notion. Luckily, though, we can release them in such a fashion of promotion for the yeah. festival. Like, the week before, maybe we yeah. can release, you know, three like three Astral Harvest yeah. ones one day and one day and one you day. You could, yeah, do, like, an Astral Har- Harvest lead-up and be like, bam, yeah. bam, bam. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> problem solved. Yeah. I, like, kind of went through the same, like, last year. Started in May. I maybe did, like, nine nine podcasts or so right up away. until the end of the no like in that oh. entire year i oh, took yeah. like huge chunks and breaks and yeah. um i mean i'm on like episode 30 or something yeah. now this year so I, it's like it's just been like every week i've been trying to do yeah. one and just kind of get back into it but did you hold yourself to like a high standard at first and like did it yeah because i feel like that's that was my downfall it was like i held myself to this unreasonable standard and then like when i didn't meet it I was really hard on myself and I felt like I was disappointing people, but really like nobody knew what that expectation was. So it was just kind of really useless for me to beat myself up over not releasing an episode or not staying current or yeah, Yeah. that's me in a nutshell. Yeah. (laughs) Like you're your own worst critic, right? Like Mm -hmm. I'm way harder on myself for like screwing up on anything and I'm like apologizing at the beginning of the episode. I'm sure people like, you know, like it, it, I, I don't listen to our podcasts <laughs> unless Tanner puts them on in the truck because I don't like the sound. I like no, the sound of my yeah. own voice when I talk, which is probably why I talk a lot, but when I have to hear it back, yeah, it's terrible. not so much. I just see her like sitting in the corner just staring at the wall just being like, I can't believe I fucking said that. <laughs> yeah. God, I'm such an idiot. Oh, it's not even about what I say half the time. It's just like the tone of my voice and yeah, I just... Or how I'm, you say it. And yeah, and just, I'm not into it. The amount of likes I say sometimes. Oh, me too. <laughs> or like, I, I finish off a sentence with, oh, and just like... Yeah, and you just leave it, you like let it hang there. Yeah. <laughs> I do you know what's good is you gotta have a friend who calls you out regularly on yeah. these things, like Sarah, Sarah Green. To be fair. To be fair. <laughs> she always calls me out like I apparently have a nose twitch before I take a drink what my nose always twitches right before I take a drink and she's like I've always noticed that about you I am married to you I've never noticed this I can't believe she's never said that um I do know your uh center tooth though yeah yeah anyways (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean I listen back to every single episode just to like edit it to see if there is anything and like that is enough for me after that it's like I can't listen like yeah that's already too much, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I really enjoy listening to ours for some reason because, like, five minutes in, I for, I, I sort of detach yeah. from the fact that the person that's talking is me, and it doesn't. It's not like I'm sitting there listening to myself talking. I, I, I'm still able to, especially when you release an episode 
two or three months after you recorded <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, like, yeah. It's pretty fresh, so it doesn't really feel like you're critiquing yourself so much. We but, were just talking about this on the truck ride down here. We were listening to the episode that we put out with uh, just recently, was it Van yesterday, Damage. with uh, Van Damage. We talked about, a bunch about freezer burn and stuff. And it was long enough ago that I don't remember the conversation happening, yeah. but it's interesting to hear and think about the dynamic of this is what he said. I don't remember the conversation, but it's making me think of this. I bet that's what I'm going to talk about next, and it totally is. <laughs> yeah, because it's you. It's you sitting there, like you. Yeah. Like, it's easy. It's, it's easy to predict. Like, oh yeah, definitely. It's, it's I just did that like, man. and I ended off my sentence with a like. Stop doing that. Oh. Now I'm conscious of it. Yeah, it's good. That's it's good, good though. Yeah, you be conscious of it. <laughs> the first podcast I released was. Man, like easily a hundred within forty-five minutes. <laughs> and of course, you're sitting there counting too. Once you become conscious of it, it's like, oh god, yeah. it's out of control. It's, uh, it's like um, Justin Trudeau. There's a, a couple of his speeches. Like you go through and you count the. It's not the ums. It's uh, it's yeah. Uh, it is the ums. It's the exaggerated. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, like he's a, he's actually a pretty like terrible speaker. Yeah. I just I don't know. There's something like I really liked that guy when he was kind of running. Well, because and, when he's running, his speeches are written out, and he's yeah. reading off a piece of paper. When it comes to him talking on TV, he's not. He seems like he's stumbling his way through everything. Like, the people that like this entire continent is led by people who can hardly put words together. Yeah. No, they have speech writers for them. <laughs> they have people who write down the words for them, and they yeah. read them. Yeah. I think uh, on a recent podcast I listened to, they did a comparison of George Bush when he was running and when he was in office, and he sounds like the smartest person alive oh, yeah. when, when he was he's running, running, he was running yeah. to be governor. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I heard that he was one like it was fifteen years prior when yeah. he was just like first getting into politics, and the guy was like on point yeah. and like really persuasive and charismatic and MK Ultra. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> They're just sitting like he gets to be too many shocks they're, to the brain. Sitting back there with like a control panel, just like turn the dumb meter. Like, yeah. <laughs> 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 <sighs> I mean, sucks because it might be true. Yeah, I mean, we can't just like assume that the people who are trying to control people's minds just stopped that. Yeah, right. They're just like, yeah, no, okay, we we did enough research. We're good. Gotta yeah, be, there's got to be a word that's. Better than ultra. They just went no. Actually, I there was um I posted that video of Katy Perry collapsing on stage or yeah, whatever, which, and it, which was actually years ago. Uh, yeah, you know, I, whatever. I I came across it and like I tried googling it, and the only thing that came up was all these skeptics being like MK Ultra, MK Ultra. I was like, well, actually, like this is actually really unfortunate to see. She's an international touring artist. She might have just had a friggin' like, yeah, exhaustion. Like, I, I'm surprised the same thing didn't happen to me while we were throwing shows and shit like that. You know, like yeah. I have a I have a certain amount of respect for that, but um, you know, conversation goes on and on and MK Ultra this and there's no way that they could stop doing it if they've already started. And apparently, yeah. long story short, apparently it does have a different name. MK Ultra is the term for you know the truthers and the the conspiracy theorists, but it's like MK. Delta. Yeah, it's like MK, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's like MK Delta or something. Might as well just call it the same thing. Yeah. Like, I mean, I feel like just uh, media, commercial, that's that's mind control enough. It, like, it's, yeah. They, yeah, they already got it. At, you know? at, least, at least you can look at that and you can say, these people do sit in a room and figure out how to manipulate you to buy their product. Yeah. That is like, totally that's not even a lie. Right now. Like, they'll be like, yeah, like our job is to try and get you, you know, to yeah. get you to buy our shit. That's some 
manipulate like some mind control stuff right there and yeah. it fucking works. <laughs> it sucks. It yeah. totally does work. You're like, you uh, walk by a Colonel's in a mall and you smell that popcorn. That's not <laughs> mind control. That's a really tantalizing smell. Yeah, well, true, but some say they pump it out into the hallways through a small hose to entice you. No. <laughs> Legends say. So wait, that's how we get people to come to our shows. Popcorn. Ah. <laughs> Not a bad idea. For those, all, all those shows we're going to be throwing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's so funny coming out the other end, just like thinking of all these things. Like we could have done this. Why didn't we do that? Should have done that. Well, honestly, like yeah, to to bring it back to that, it just, I it got to the point where it. Like when ticket sales are low and you're trying to, you're, when you're doing that like extra hustle, that that act of hustling harder than I want to hustle is kind of it. Turn, it's a turn off, yeah. and it really sort of taints the whole experience. And it's just like, oh, I don't want to be asking people to. It becomes really expectational instead of. Yeah. Tanner has this thing here. It says invitation over expectation. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. I totally get what you mean by that too. Like. Yeah. You get to this point, and you're like, I get to it at, sometimes with the podcast, and I like feel I have to like, okay, just reel yourself back in. You don't want to be that guy who's yeah. like, yeah, you don't want to have to push too hard. Yeah, because like you, you got to realize when you're pushing more than is appropriate, yeah. and then it can it can really sway things. And like it swayed things for me the most. Like it, it putting forth the extra hustle and getting other people to run around and try and like sell tickets for cheaper and this and that, like it worked, but I just felt guilty. I felt dirty about just like becoming, uh, a hustler, an, an event promoter that was being sort of, I don't know, like some would say it's like you, those last few days we were a little bit desperate. We were a little bit like pushy. Mm -hmm. It sucked. It was just like, all right, we yeah, this is not what I wanted to be. I, I loved curating and hosting events but i'd never wanted to be an event promoter you know like I, yeah. I hate the promotion element of it i just wish it went off by itself <laughs> yeah yeah definitely i mean honestly it's the same thing with the podcast is i yep. hate promoting myself <laughs> yeah. luckily uh like a friend of ours uh, moved into our the basement suite mike mcginn and, and like him and eric have recently started up this website called schwack city and they basically trying to have like a festival vendor website where they sell all of the like the regular festival vendors that you'd see at the festivals they sell all of their line through the website and then like one kind of place but mike because he's been researching so much about that tangent of, of marketing and advertising he was just he stepped up and he's like man like i'll help you out like i'll, I'll be your your media marketing manager kind of thing and yeah. he's been killing it and it's it's Sweet. it's nice to just know that somebody else is thinking about that and kind of focusing on it because when it came to having to throw shows where you needed like 400 people to show up it was just like there's so many things to think of you know you need to you starting to talk to radios and like you have to work with a lot of other people and, and yeah. you can't just do it as a an invitational organic basis you have to start paying for facebook promotion and stuff like that yeah it's uh it's just too many directions for one or two minds to think of and it's really nice to have to split things into little factions and have one people one person think about one thing at a time. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's invaluable. Yeah. It's one of the things that I see with like bands and stuff when I do interview yeah. them is like they have four people. Yeah. They can divvy all that up and I'm like I am so jealous of yeah, you guys. But, but even <laughs> still for each one of them to to rehearse yeah. and to then write more material. Yeah. Like that's why bands have managers. Yeah. Right? Very the manager true. is just like he's the one that's on the street running around trying to get you gigs and trying to like 
you know, just make the whole thing not run into a wall and crash and burn. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting form of art. Yeah. Like music and, and touring and like live performing. Yeah. It's, and it's like relatively new as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, like in the span of human history, you look at painting that's been around forever. There has been music forever, but yeah. has it been like this? Not really. Yeah. Like exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's the world of like media, like podcasting, the way that it's exploded. And yeah. The fact that you don't have to watch TV to get your information anymore. You can yeah. go and source it out from like this, you know, somebody just like out of their home creating something that's very niche and very like informative and genuine. And yeah. Yeah. I love the fact that commercials are dying. Yeah. Except definitely. for the fact that like even um, like YouTube, um, now they're not even giving you the option to skip the ad anymore. It's yeah. just a five-second little snippet of A&W yeah. that you can't even skip. It's only five seconds, but it's just enough to piss you off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it depends on how much you're paying for the ad, too. I think yeah. you can pay for like a big 30-second ad on YouTube that nobody can skip and shit. Yeah. And, well, yeah. see, there's a, there's a double-edged sword, too, because I would love to be able to take our video podcast element from YouTube and get it to a point. I think you have to have 1,000 subscribers before you can monetize. And it's like, yeah, I would love to be making money from views. Not that we get a lot, but it would be, but like, then you think about it and you're like, um, oh, but then you're just doing that thing. You're like, you're forcing people to watch shitty, like, you know, aerosol, like foot deodorant friggin' commercials before your podcast. And, foot deodorant. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. The, what, sorry. I was just thinking of a really sleazy commercial. I, used to say, <laughs> I was like, what's, what's the most random thing that he can pull no, out of his ass right now? It actually, it was Harmontown again. They were talking about Gold Bond Spray or something. <laughs> but I guess, like, on the flip side of that, though, it is the thing that allows YouTube to be free, right? Yeah. You know, so yeah. you don't have to pay. It's yeah. kind of hard to have it both ways, not pay for it and also not have ads. I'm sure that there are things out there that exist in that, in that way, but... Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how the advertising on SoundCloud is going right now because we we both have premium accounts, so I haven't been subject to any unfortunate advertising, which no, is because obviously we're paying for the service, so we shouldn't, yeah. you know. Yeah, to, to but... be honest with you, I've gotten like two ads since they started that yeah. over yeah. like the months that they've had it. I get ads, but it's more ads for try SoundCloud Go or whatever. Yeah, it's advertising their own shit, which I'm super not interested in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, definitely. You get the same effect with Spotify as SoundCloud Go, I feel like. Yeah. yeah. I just, just offline I think streaming. I think it sucks that, that we're paying for premium accounts with SoundCloud and we don't get access to SoundCloud Go. You know, it's like we're paying them a yearly fee. Yeah. And the highest have, yearly yeah, fee. Yeah, and you have to pay again. Yeah. There was another issue, like, within the SoundCloud forums of, you know how, like, there's certain tracks from, like, the big artists that you can click on, and it comes up with this, like, great big uh, album art and stuff, and you get all the graphics in behind and, and, and everything like that. And that is literally, it's the the um, record labels paying out the ass for these artists to make their songs bigger, which then it makes the, the smaller artists like us at a disadvantage because we can't get our name out in the same way because we don't have the money or the notoriety or the record labels to pay for it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I feel like SoundCloud had its like heyday and it's it definitely, it's taken a nosedive. It got bought out by Sony. Yeah. Yeah. So. I still, I still rely on it. Yeah, yeah for sure. I guess 
uh, the only reason I'm not using uh, Spotify as much right now is because my subscription ran out. I had a two-year free premium subscription when I bought my last phone, oh. and it just ran out like a month ago. Yeah. And I, I think I'm going to jump back on because it is real nice. I kind of initially yeah. thought that like ten ninety nine a month or whatever it is seemed kind of pricey. Like if you put that up to a year and then two years and ten years or whatever, like you add up all the money. But for for how much I use it on a daily basis, it's not that bad. Well, it's like what you would pay for Netflix, right? Unless you're on somebody else's account. <laughs> <laughs> who pays for Netflix? <laughs> There's that one person who's paying for Netflix yeah. and he's giving it for like five other yeah. people. <laughs> you guys, we could all just chip in two bucks every month. <laughs> I've heard a lot of good things about Spotify, though, of people finding new music through Spotify. Oh, absolutely, too, because it's good like, for that. You you build these playlists, or you know, you you start listening to an artist, and then instead of the songs running out keeps playing music based on whatever algorithm of the music that you're already listening to. I have found so much gold in new music through Spotify alone, but tenfold more than I would ever find through SoundCloud. Yeah. Cause yeah. you have to like go hunting on SoundCloud, you know, well, like, yeah, yeah, like it does play, but yeah, when you're, when you're downloading music off SoundCloud, you know, you download some free thing and then it takes you to tone den yeah. and then you have to su- yeah. subscribe to this, that, and the Thank other you person for subscribing to these 1,579 artists. Although, <laughs> that is how I have also found some gold, because when True. you open up your home page, you're just you're scrolling through and clicking play on whatever looks appealing at the time. Yeah. But at least with, with Spotify, if you're just sitting there listening to music and whatever artist runs out, something new comes on, you're, you're just sitting there. You're not even actively hunting. It doesn't yeah. take nearly as much effort to SoundCloud do SoundCloud does that too. It goes through like the artist likes. So oh, things, you're yeah. Right, right, yeah. Yeah. Does it? Yeah, yeah, it does. If, if, if you, you just leave it and it runs out of the, what you're playing. See, I've never used SoundCloud as a music player. Okay. I've always just used it for like my my own profile, yeah. and then you know scrolling through the the home screen and clicking on music, purposefully looking for tracks. I've never just like put it on at a party. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I feel like my my main feed on SoundCloud is so polluted right now by oh, the reposting yeah. services. It just it sucks. Like it's just like a you scroll for a couple minutes and you're like, man, just it's the same three reposting services. And unfortunately, they're not ones that I've chosen. They're just ones that solicited or like they, I downloaded a track and then I had to subscribe to that. Yeah. And it's like it's mostly music that I'm not interested in. You know what, though? I feel like that's just because that, that is how I find a, a lot of my music. Like when you come home from work and I'm like, man, I just like I just got like 100 new tracks or whatever. It's because I use that as my main source of, you know, free content pulling so when i do download say like 100 tracks in a day yes i am signed up and subscribed to the reposting services of this that and the other artist or label or whatever but there's that much more to go through and generally they are when you download a song you are subscribing to like mine like, just like when you sign up for a band camp like a record label it's yeah. it's generally the same ish kind of music you're not gonna have like a country song thrown in there randomly right yeah, true, yeah. <laughs> and i yeah i have found some music on soundcloud just like letting it go and stuff as well and yeah. it, it's kind of strange how music has taken that turn yeah <laughs> like coming like back in the day you would have to like find a CD or you would play like a video game because you knew it had a certain song that you really liked yeah. on it. Yeah. Like, like Quake. <laughs> First edition of Quake, man. That was the, actually Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails that did the whole soundtrack right. for Quake. And I remember it like, and Quake 2, that wasn't Nine Inch Nails, but Quake 2, like the soundtrack for that video game was badass. And 
the most recent Quake game. Remember we were over at Dave's place and just the music is nuts. Yeah. It's so good. It's it's really like surprising even. He was even emailing him just being like, I wanna collaborate. <laughs> collab bro. Music. Yeah, collab bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Things have definitely changed for the better and for the worse I feel. You like, just have to go to the record store to find music. Yeah. Or listen to the radio. Yeah. Now uh, when was the last time I listened to a radio station like Yeah religiously back when I was used to frame houses and we just like had a work radio and CG, yeah. like X929 or something right and, when yeah. I first got my car before I got my FM transmitter yeah I mean I have a car I had a, had a car that didn't have anything but radio yeah. like there was a CD stuck in the CD player oh. and, like, the actual radio screen was dead so you couldn't do an FM transmitter oh. <laughs> and like yeah <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty brutal. Yeah, it was. Radio is just brutal. Oh, it's really bad. You know, it's, I find it's more so in Canada. I'm mean, like, at least like for 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 my roots coming from from uh, classic rock and blues. When you go to the states, you hear all of like the B side music from your favorite classic rock artists that you don't normally get in Canada. A because it's all the hits, and B because of the CR. CRTC. The CRTC is Canadian content. There has to be a certain amount of Canadian content. You go to the States, you do not hear Rush. You don't hear Nickelback. <laughs> like, you don't hear the Guess Who. Yeah. And, like, nearly as much as you do here. Yeah. Patriotism. <laughs> America. Uh, no, more so when it comes to Radio Canada. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, it is a good thing, though. It does, it, it does expose you to local artists and stuff, and... It has a purpose, for sure. Yeah. yeah. It is, again, like grants, it is trying to focus on building arts. But do you remember Canada. when X92.9 first became a thing, and you'd be riding the bus, and be like, no, Nickelback guarantee. It's like, it sucks that you have to do that yeah. to promote yourself. <laughs> yeah. it's Nickelback everywhere, all the time. Uh, I would... Country radio stations have it worse, the worst, though. Like, yeah. In terms of how often they play their top eight or whatever, yeah. it's just like five times in a in a work day you'll hear the same top eight like it's just so heavy on the hits mm. it's disgusting <laughs> like, there's so much music out there well it's like yeah. you wonder how like how, how much are like the what you consider to be like top 40 or like the hits how much of that is engineered yeah you know like is this actually uh, are there tallies being taken online from people who are streaming it the most, or is it actually engineered by the record labels putting a shit ton of money into the ones that they believe should be the thing? Who can play the CGAD better? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely a game that you have to play, you know? Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. It's unfortunate, but it's just how it is, I guess. Yeah. We always have CGSW. Yeah. Yes, we do. Yeah. It's not really yeah. like. You never know what you're gonna get. No, you know? no. Yeah. Tune in and you're just like flipping. Mongolian down. throat singing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or Kelly Yuga and the Genesis Project. Uh, yeah, that the one, one time. time. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Three in the morning. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, the day before we left for Burning Man. That was so. I don't know why we did that. It was fun, but. Yeah. <laughs> do you guys like find it hard to turn down stuff like that though? I do. Yeah. I mean, like, she's good at saying no, and, like, you were giving me shit today about taking on a, a renegade stage at Motion Ocean this year. 
She's like, you said yes to this? I was like, yeah. And she's like, I got, no. yeah, I got, I got a message in my inbox. She's being like, hey, so here's the schedule for you for you guys at such and such stage at Motion Notion. I was like, excuse me? <laughs> what? <laughs> this past month, though, has really quelled my hustle. Like, yeah. I'm so done. Especially Motion Notion last year, we played two two-hour sets. So a total of four hours. Yeah. And one of them was a 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. set, which was interesting. First of all, turning it down the night before at a responsible hour, which we did. And we woke up and we were fine and ready to go. But the beers that you bring on stage at 7 in the morning. (laughs) We got off at 9 and we were already hammered. Naps were induced. Yeah. Yeah, I'd feel like it'd be pretty hard to carry on your day at that point. Yeah. It's like when uh, Canada was in the gold medal game or whatever. Oh, yeah. I totally totally woke up for that game. You stayed asleep. Yeah. Definitely came home from that. And that was at what? Like six, like five or six in the morning, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You guys got home at 8 a.m. Yeah, we got home at 8 a.m. and I was plastered. Oh, yeah. Jumped on me in bed. Absolutely. Magneted. Those are good times. Yes. Those were some crazy times. <laughs> uh, is there any like final things you guys want to say? Um, anything that we... I guess we're not really doing anything that we need to plug other than the uh, podcast. Well, yeah. Podcast, Genesis Thought Lab, genesisproject.com, Genesis Project on Facebook. You can catch us performing. I'll be at Inshallah this weekend. Tanner will be at Freezerburn. I don't know if this will be out in time, though, eh? Uh, I'm going to release it next week. Next week. Okay. Um, Astral Harvest, Shambhala, Motion Notion. If anybody is listening from the States, from the general Montana region, we're playing a festival called Pirate Party. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll be bringing the podcast to Oregon Eclipse. Leave that part out. It's not technically announced yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a second home, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of my favorite festivals. And we'll, have, we'll have the podcast at pretty much every single one of those. So if anybody wants to come and talk some shit and drink some beer, and yeah, hang we out. have like a uh, contact form on the website. So like, if anybody's listening to this and they want to potentially sit down for a podcast or something, you know, we don't only just talk about like music and stuff. We've done episodes on Bitcoin and just yeah, VR flat and Earth. flat Earth. No, 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 well, no, no, we, no. We did talk about it once, but I'm, I'm trying eh. to plan a podcast right now with somebody who's a passionate believer. But it's a very volatile situation. I think it's a bad idea. It's, it's really heated. <laughs> yeah. It could be very aggressive and detrimental. Yeah, I could see that. Um, I, we're, we're, all, we're sort of worried about whether or not it'll be like defamation of that person because they're very, very heatedly like flat Earth oops. So they call them flat tards. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, see, it's right, right there. Is just like, yeah, I could get out of hand. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we're also like, uh, my buddy Nick, he just came back from England, and he was like studying at Oxford, and he was actually like studying at the the famous library. He was reading. He got a grant uh, from the, the the Harper government just before it was over to literally go to England, take a six-month sabbatical, and go and study the occult. Literally witchcraft. <laughs> so, like, I mean, witchcraft. from the government. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited so he's to sit got, down with him. We have another That's friend awesome. who grew up in um, uh, Australia. 
no, uh, no, I'm not talking about Nathan. I'm talking about somebody else. He uh, grew up in private schools and the abuse that he faced, and he wants to sit down oh, and Clay. do. Yeah, he wants to sit down yeah. and do a podcast about that and kind of mm-hmm. shine some light on it. And Nathan and I are going to sit down and talk about like conspiracies and anarchy and stuff like that too. So have it's, fun. It's we definitely have to <laughs> sit down with artists and vendors and everybody involved in the festival community. But there's also uh, an absolute limitless wealth of concepts and intellectualism in this culture so we like stories and we're conversationalists that's what it's all about so if you have something you want to talk some shit about come talk some shit (laughs) exactly (laughs) just like we did here tonight yeah (laughs) maybe maybe in the fall i think i wouldn't mind revisiting that podcast of the park thing bring the battery to riley park and do some episodes just like live in the sun Mm -hmm. that was fun I like doing it outdoors. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I've actually kind of toyed with the idea of on nice days, like taking it out there, but yeah, just traffic. We have the equipment if you want to. Well, you know what? The, the background yeah. noise Come and is actually, sometime. The background noise is actually kind of nice sometimes. Like the birds chirping and even like a car driving by, like it sets this weird sound bed that that kind of makes you feel like you're, you know, there <laughs> in the moment. When we were at Pirate Party last year, there was this great big pirate ship art car bus. Blasting the loudest music in mid-conversation, it, it just drove do, by us. Do, 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 do. The, the stage started driving, and it drove right by our. Booth. We had to just pause and rage, yeah, covering the microphones like, "Oh God!" Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's all um, part of the experience. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but like we we have the the whole mobile setup with the battery, and like you, I'm I want more people to utilize it because it sits there most of the time. So. Okay. Yeah, should, I'll definitely should, keep that in mind. Yeah. <laughs> just like yeah, plan a awesome. collaborative podcast in the park day. Yeah, that'd be sick. Yeah. I'm always down to. I love podcasting. So yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for thank having you. Us. Yeah, thanks for being on the show, guys. Of this course. Is super awesome. fun. Yeah. Peace. Cool. Signing off. <laughs> <laughs>